suffering a little bit, Jacob. Um, you ever have one of those days where you have like two different burgers, you know, you really shouldn't eat the second one, but then you do. I mean, those are usually good days, though. I feel like this is going to, this is just making me just regret life choices. You know what I mean? I mean, what kind of, like, what are we talking about? What kind of burgers? Oh, and we had some nice cheeseburgers today, you know, with cheese and onions and uh, bacon and tomato slices, you know, the whole nine yards. It was great. Sure, sure. Relish. Oh, so like, it's like homemade. You weren't just like. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. It puts me at a crossroads. I don't want to waste food. But I also don't want to eat myself into an early grave. So my choices are limited here. What can you do? <laughs> what can you do? Look. Hello and welcome, everybody. Come on in. Stay a while. Put your feet up. Settle in. Let your hair down. Put on a fire and join us for another installment of Gorman on Gore. I'm your host, Peter Gorman. Do not call me Pete. With me once again is my incomparable co-host, Jacob. Hey, Petey. Let's give him a round of applause, everybody. Hey. Is this the right button? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. I'm sorry. Let, 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 me, let me do that again. There we go. There we go. Okay. So, oh, you're going to have to take them. All right. No. Okay. You want to take it from the top again, or you good? Oh, no. No, no. We're, we're doing this as is, boy. Oh, okay. We're, we're running this raw. Yeah, well. <laughs> Why would you say it like that? <laughs> Just now play the button. Yeah. But, you know, How's San Francisco treating you? Pretty good. I mean, doing what I always do. You know? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I've got, okay. I've got, a, I've got a routine going. Exercise, take care of the dogs, do stuff around the house, uh, rinse, repeat. All right then. As you know, Jacob, here on Gorman on Gore, we are in the business of rating and reviewing horror films. And business is good. The world is emerging from global catastrophe. Theaters are reopening and a big old stockpile of pent-up feature films are just raring to debut. We have a, a new Candyman that's coming out. Oh, yeah. We have another Conjuring movie that, that we don't have to care about. Oh, yeah, we, you know, we already had that, that weird Catholic movie. What was it called? The Unholy or something? About, like, the wrong Mother Mary that people were praying to? Oh, that one seemed kind of funny. Just the concept is funny. I feel like they snuck that out in the middle of, of the plague because they knew that it was not going to do well. Uh, oh, yeah, probably. But, I mean, like, but if you just think about the concept, it's very funny to me. Oh, no, we've been worshipping the wrong... Mother Mary. That's the like wrong a, God. Yeah, that's like ah, oh, not again. <laughs> it's like a comedy concept. I appreciate it. I made a burnt offering to the wrong deity. I was kneeling at the wrong shrine. <laughs> I didn't want this one to show up. This is ridiculous, guys. Which also, like, I almost kind of want to see that movie now because I'm curious. How does that movie think prayer works? Yeah, is it like a piggy bank <laughs> where like people's hopes and dreams power her? And well, if so, how would you defeat that? It seems like it would just be a, a doomsday movie where she just like takes over the world or something. I guess, but I mean, like, also, I mean, if you're praying to Mary, wouldn't that 
have to go to the right one? Like, are you getting tricked somehow? How does this, like, how does that work? I don't, I don't know. It's bizarre. It is. But, but no, yeah, I, I have, I've always been intrigued by false prophets, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, no, I get that, but it's like, I think the idea is that there's like, a, I guess, like a statue or whatever that's like, and they're praying to it, but like, they're presumably still praying to Mary, it's just that the statue is evil or whatever. Uh, I don't, so, well, there's a girl who is blind and deaf and other things. She's missing some of her senses and then she gains them back mm-hmm. and she becomes a mouthpiece for, for this Mary. And they don't say, I don't know. I wonder if because they're praying through her, it makes her the, I don't know what you call it, the receptacle for the worship. Uh, whatever. It's all made up anyway. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's, that's interesting. I don't mean to be dismissive. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all fake. <laughs> or at least for the, the rules of the movie, as it was, you know, no, no, you no, know as mean, if prayer is like tokens you collect. Yeah, no, real real life, too. It's also it's also made up. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I may cut that out. I'll leave, I'll leave oh. the bad laugh track part at the beginning, but, but this on. is all going. All right. Well, anyway, I'm none of this sorry. crap. <laughs> none of the, none of this crap. These movies we're talking about has come out yet. No. So this time around, it was my turn to choose what horror film to pick apart scene by scene. Last time we went pretty art house with Tetsuo the Iron Man. <laughs> so I was thinking this time around we should we should go a little lighter. You know, a bit more silly and fun. Maybe we should finally dip our toe into the hillbilly subgenre of horror finally that's right ladies and germs yeah this episode is about the 2010 cult classic tucker and dale versus evil can you believe it's already been 11 years since this groundbreaking movie came out i sound sarcastic but no i actually really do enjoy this movie also this makes me feel really old because this movie <laughs> feels very new to me and it's 11 years old I mean, in some ways, it's timeless. (laughs) It's a timeless story, really. (laughs) It might as well have been Abbott and Costello meet the... Wait, no. They were never the bad guys in the movies, but that's essentially what this is. It's as if everyone thought Abbott and Costello were serial killers. Which, I mean, that would have been fun. Why didn't they do that? Yeah, I I would have been on board for that, yes. Um, Or if it was like the Three Stooges... They have to just slapstick their way out of like a lynch mob or something. So, um, Peter, I, this is this is IMDb trivia, but I kind of wanted to get All this right. out, out of the way first because it's uh, amusing to me. Okay. Do you know what the uh, Japanese title for Tucker and Dale versus Evil is? No, um, I didn't look that up. Okay, it roughly translates to Tucker and Dale, the worst guys in history. <laughs> which oh man it's a really great title i feel like something may have gotten lost in translation there apparently uh, but that's yeah. but that's beautiful i wonder if that means that they portrayed the characters totally differently where like they're more like self-loathing than they are portrayed in the american version where like that's the way that they see it yeah a couple of screw-ups I hate themselves. I don't think I don't think that's the case. I do think that 
maybe just like grammatically something happens there. I want to present Alan Tudyk with a poster for the Japanese version of the movie just because of that. <laughs> uh, also, I, here uh, you go, Alan Tudyk. You're one of the worst people in history. <laughs> uh, this one is more apocryphal, and it's also I'm just going off and find MDB. I can say for certain that that worst guys in history thing is the title because I was able to verify it otherwise uh, in other sites. Oh. But this one is, I'm, I'm just solely relying on IMDb here. Uh, in Taiwan, <laughs> apparently the movie was released as Double Treasure Fighting Dragon. Okay, well that's just way off. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know what to make of that. That reminds me of that time that we watched the prequel Star Wars movies and we translated it into oh, yeah. Korean and then we translated it back into English. What was it? That was pretty amazing. What was that? Backstroke of the West or whatever? Was I don't remember what the title was, but yeah. Yeah. It, like Obi-Wan Kenobi's name was Ratio Tile and, uh, oh, what was Anakin? I think he was a Gold as in like, <laughs> you know, Allah, like God Gold or something. Yes. And, you know, there's that part at the very end of the movie where, you know, Anakin is just like, you tricked me. And then and Obi-Wan Kenobi says, you have done that yourself, which is a terrible <laughs> line, I have to say. But in the Korean version, it actually says, this is your masterpiece. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's oh, oh, right. That's perfect. what that's from. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is your masterpiece. <laughs> uh, but this is not a Star Wars podcast. No. This is not yet. Uh, oh yeah. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, I was just trying to remember. Okay. Yeah. So this is directed by Eli Craig. It was also written by him or at least co-written Eli Craig. Apparently I just found out like this morning, he is the son of Sally field. Oh, huh. just some random trivia for you. Yeah. I found some adorable little article where Sally fields like, Oh, the proudest thing I've done with my life is raise my three boys. Wow. That is the sweetest, most mommy thing I've heard someone say in a long time. <laughs> no, that's, that's it's like she wants them to feel extra bad when she eventually dies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why would you even say that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, listen, this is for all intents and purposes. This is, this is my podcast. You know, I just want to be able to say stuff. It's that's so mean spirited, though. <laughs> God. So before we begin, I just wanted to ask, would you recommend Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Jacob? Sure, why not? There was a bit of a pause there. No, just sure, why not? All right, it's not, it's not I definitely would. This is like a, a comfort movie for me. I mean, it's not quite to like Princess Bride levels, you know, like where it's something you watch when you're sick and need like emotional support or whatever, but it's close. I think it's just because of how sweet the two main characters are to one another. It's, it's really shockingly nice and honest. It's, I don't know. It's, it, it is very comforting. There are mistakes in the film and there, yeah. are, there, there are things that I'll probably never forgive as creative decisions, especially, um, you know, I mean, not to rush ahead, but the part at the very end, I, I really can't 
<laughs> I really can't go with that. But I think the movie as a whole, though, has a good heart. Or at least whenever it decides to. How about uh, how about this mistake, Peter? Making the entire movie about one joke. Oh, but it's a good joke. <laughs> it's okay. It, well, that is something we do need to talk about. This is a uh, part of a subgenre of horror that I really like, but it's very new. It's kind of deconstructionist horror films, where you know they take an element of horror and they just pick it apart. And sometimes they're comedies, you know, like what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's almost more like too much of a comedy to be covered by us. I don't know. I might do it eventually just because it's fun. Uh, yeah, it's fun. But they just pick apart all the vampire stuff. Yeah. I mean, hard to say. I mean, I, I guess it's sort of like. I guess what we do in the shadows is more of like on the blade side of things where it's like, yeah, it has vampires in it. But I mean, like. Who's calling blade a horror movie? Yeah, I mean, I think there might even be an argument that Tucker and Dale versus Evil isn't a horror movie either. However, I think there's just enough gore and death to just push it past comedy horror and turn it into horror comedy. I can. But anyway, I don't. Yeah. I don't really want to spend our lives trying to figure out what is or is not stuff. We could have a debate about some things that are honestly confounding, but you know, in the end, if we want to do it, we're just going to do it. You no, know, I know. No, I know. <laughs> the audience can agree or not. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think we should do this every single time a, a movie that like brushes up against that uh, that boundary is covered. I think one of the big themes that I've always wanted for this discussion, like the ongoing discussion of of this podcast is just about defining what even is a horror movie. Because to be honest, I don't have a straightforward description. I mean, there are things that horror movies seem to have, but sure. almost every rule that's been made has also been broken. So it's, it's, it's difficult to quantify it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard to say because like, horror movie is more of a you know it when you see it kind of a thing. It's a feeling. which It's subjective. Yeah, which... I mean, I guess that to a degree can be true for other genres. I mean, if you're not feeling thrilled watching a thriller, that's probably a bad thriller. I hate that term, thriller. Well, yeah, that's also... It has a very clear meaning for me. It's usually sort of a procedural murder mystery of some sort, or something involving murder. But honestly, like, it just seems like more grounded horror to me, and they just don't want to call it that. They're like, <laughs> oh, no, there's a killer on the loose, but it's not a horror film. Uh, this yeah, is the, I Jason, this see. is Copycat with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I can kind of see what you mean there. Oh. Well, yeah. Every genre is almost imprisoned in a way, and that's part of why I like the deconstructionist angle from some of these newer horror films. You know, we got... Tucker and Dale versus evil. We got uh, behind the mask of Leslie Vernon. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Um, uh, no, I have not. Final girl. That was pretty good. Hmm. Uh, also not cabin in the woods. Oh, what, what am I... oh yeah. And then there was that horrible scream ripoff. No, it was a scary movie ripoff of scream. I don't know. I'm confusing myself. So, okay. So first there's the movie scream, which is already self-referential. 
You know, that started this kind of thing where you'll discuss a horror movie in a horror movie or play with the tropes. Mm -hmm. And then they made Scary Movie. And however many of those did they make? There was at least four. Yeah, I think. And then. I I think they only did four. And then because they were tolerated, there was a movie based off of a spoof of Scary Movie called scream if you know what i did last friday the 13th or something like that fear jesus christ i don't I know, know if it's a... made for tv or not but yeah that's way too self-referential and down the rabbit hole for me yeah i don't like that <laughs> it also wasn't very good there was a little kid that was dressed up like chucky though and came after people with a knife and it had no purpose in the movie i appreciated that at least yeah i mean the wanna occasion- play the occasional child's play reference is uh, is fun. Everybody needs a little child's play in their life. Yeah. Except possibly that new one. Uh, that, was, that was not great. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one either. I went to see that with our mutual friend Dave. And uh, he got so upset, he walked out of the theater. Wait, why? What, <laughs> that, whoa, 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 wait, what happened? Um, okay, well... I don't know. See, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but then again, it's such a a terrible thing they did that I think it should be spoiled. So you know what? I will. Uh, Chucky uh, murders a cat, but he doesn't just kill it. Like he tortures it first by choking it in one scene. And like Dave got really upset and, you know, and we were just like, no, 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 it'll be, it'll be better, you know? And then later on they come back and they already established like, no, 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 leave the cat alone. You know, like they're teaching this new robo Chucky, you know, like his behaviors and they come back later and the cat's just dead in the kitchen floor. And <laughs> Dave was just like, nope, I'm out. And away he went. Well. I, for one, have never walked out of a horror film, or of any film for that matter. So I wonder what that's like, having committed the money and then not sitting through it. Yeah, I can't do that. Movies cost too much. Like it's like, I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather walk away mad because at least that's like an experience. I did feel bad because he left before I could leave. You know, I sat through the whole thing and it's not a good movie, but you know, part of the joy of a not good movie is being able to sit down later with your friends and talk about how not good it was. (laughs) So, you know, I felt robbed. I'm not defending the cat murder. It wasn't something I wanted. It's a cheap move and it shouldn't be done. I feel like shouldn't we shouldn't we be past such things in horror films at this point? I mean, what if it's part of their uh, creative vision for you to uh, stifle them and constrain their vision? Yeah. Well, I mean, I did like when they cut off a man's face and put it over a watermelon in that movie. So, I mean, that was pretty creative. Oh, see, that's neat. There's no reason for it. And people in the movie pointed out. That is something interesting about this whole deconstructionist thing is that maybe it really has infected horror. It almost makes it harder to make a really earnest horror film. Oh, yeah. Because people are always wanting to get self-referential, you know, like in the new It movies when like Richie Tozier is just like making jokes to the face of the clown that's about to kill him. I mean, like, I feel like there's a time and a place for things, you know? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Or like, okay. I'm sure the new Candyman will be, like, entertaining, but I also worry that it is also very referential to the other movies, and I wonder how much of that is going to be kind of a problem. I don't know. 
I remember hearing an article where, uh, who was it? I think it was Jordan Peele was saying that the movie had something to do with toxic fandom. So I wonder if it's not even that Candyman is real in this new movie, you know, and if it's just the guy pretending to be him or trying to make him real. I could, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I could see that. Which would be super depressing. I just, uh, I, I, I don't want to talk you out of wanting to see the movie. No, it's just like, I, 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 yeah, I, I just, I feel like there are way too many movies and I mean, like media in general nowadays that feel like, um, they can't be earnest. Yeah. With they always feel like they have to like if they're not doing the like the Marvel like okay we got to undercut this dramatic moment with a joke so people don't think this the stuff's too serious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like we 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 actually like this superhero shit. But then they're just like getting too self-referential. And well, it's just like entertainment goes through cycles and I feel like we might be coming out of a meta cycle right now. Possibly. I hope so. Because one of the biggest horror movies before the pandemic hit was the invisible man. And come to think of it, that is actually a really earnest film. It's, you know, there's almost no jokes at all. It's very serious. That's true. But that's grim. also like, it's kind of a minority among recent horror movies. I feel at least yeah, I mean, we certainly can't describe an entire movement to no. you know, to just one film. No, no. But I hope that it is a sign that things are getting that way. It's funny because I just talked about how much I like deconstructionist horror films, and I do. But I do also recognize the limited scope and perhaps enjoyability of them for non-horror fans. I love it when a horror film goes through all the tropes or plays with your expectations. Yeah. But if you do it too much, it gets a little too inside baseball. Mm-hmm. it's nice when you have a little bit of both i think scream was actually you know the first scream it had a good balance of real danger and realistic like the killer is really clumsy and stupid in those movies if you watch the scenes where Ghostface is trying to stab them he's just tripping over stuff which is pretty great yeah no i i it's just real enough yeah i think i think scream strikes a, a good balance or at least it did <laughs> I can't speak to the uh, the sequels. Have you not seen any of them? Uh, I've seen Scream 2. No, I haven't seen 3 and what are they up to now? 5? Scream 4. I believe they are making a new Scream movie soon. Okay. They also made a Scream TV show. Oh. Which oh. I know nothing about. Oh, no. Well, don't do that. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to give away what happened in the fourth movie for people who actually like it or are planning to watch it, but it actually explores some interesting concepts that I wish they had the bravery to follow through on. They go a little safe at the end. Hmm. I feel like when you go far enough down a franchise, it's nice to just really go off the deep end with like a super bad ending, basically. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's... Because why not? At that point, you're like, whatever, kill off all the main characters. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's why I can't fault it when a series just goes totally nuts. When they did that Hellraiser movie where they just went into space. Like, you know what? Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. That was so quick. It was only like the fourth movie. You're like, Hellraiser in space! <laughs> yeah. I actually do like that scene where... Pinhead gets killed by the holy light or whatever. 
I mean, it's, it's a cool it's, scene. It's weird, but it's like you could do worse, and they did. Yeah, it makes more sense for a timeless pain being than for most things. It could be around in the future. You know, it would make sense. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, without further ado, why don't we dive into today's film? Sure. The the very first note I have on here is just Tyler Labine, or Labine. I actually don't know how to say his name. I've never said it aloud before, so I'm sorry if it's wrong. I'm just going to say Labine the whole time. I mean, Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk, American Treasures. Um, it turns out that's wrong, by the way. Tyler Labine is Canadian, so... Wow. Stupid me from the past. Yeah, good job. And I choose not to praise any Canadians. That is a rule of this podcast. Um, I guess I'm agnostic when it comes to Canadians. I neither like nor dislike yeah, them. So, as I mentioned before we started recording, I fell down a rabbit hole a little bit on Alan Tudyk and just all of the weird things he did. And I just want to mention a few of them because... Even though he's not that old yet, he's he's a very accomplished actor, and he's done a lot of very strange things. He was in Firefly. He was in A Knight's Tale. What was he in that? Like a, an assistant to the blacksmith or something? He was the robot voice in iRobot? Uh, I, di- I did know that, yeah. Really? Yeah, I didn't think that sounded like him at all. He was the voice of uh, King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph. I wonder if he was in the sequel. I, I, I never did see the second one. And also, he's the voice of the Joker and of Clayface in the uh, Harley Quinn animated show that's currently on, what is it, Hulu? Yeah. I like it. I, I think it's fun. Oh, yeah. He was also the super racist guy in that Robinson movie or whatever. What was it called? 42, I think? I don't know that one. Oh, I you know. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and look because... Uh, I don't want to get it wrong. Oh, geez. He was in Big Zero 06, Frozen, Raya, The Last Dragon. Rogue One. He was the voice of Iago in the live action adaptation of Aladdin. Oh. Wow. Huh. It's amazing. Yeah, imagine seeing that movie. Oh, come on now. (laughs) I got joy out of the trailer, if nothing else. Really? I, uh... Had a vague sense of unease looking at the genie. Okay, yeah. So it was the Jackie Robinson film called 42. He played Ben Chapman. Um, He was the guy who just says a lot of real racist slurs to Jackie Robinson to try to get him to lose his concentration on the the field. Okay, Peter, if you could insert some of those slurs here, just for uh, the sake of the audience. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Let's just play those right now. Yeah, no, I'll not be doing that. <laughs> I feel so bad for, for Alan Tudyk because they almost certainly just saw Tucker and Dale versus evil. And they're like, Oh, you could play like a hillbilly. Come on, hillbilly. You, you could come yell racist slurs at this, this African-American icon. Uh, I think I heard that he apologized after doing the scenes. I mean, I guess you would have to. Oh, God. Even just thinking about that, like, that just, oh, God. I mean, yeah, I suppose, like, that would be a great uh, shooting anecdote, though. Yeah, he just uh, 
shot off some slurs and then uh, went back into uh, you know back to his RV and uh, yeah, that was kind of it. <laughs> didn't didn't yeah. say anything to anyone. Oh, it'd be great if there was like an interview with the director and he was like, oh yeah, he just started saying some stuff. So I recorded and then later on, and then, you know, Alan Tudyk would like turn in his chair and be like, what? I, I did not do that. <laughs> like it wasn't even in the movie, but it just, it just seemed appropriate. So we just put it in there. Uh. Okay. So the movie begins immediately with some deliverance vibes and a creepy found footage. Which I, I was, it's not my favorite trope, but at least it was brief. It's only for a little while. Yeah, I, I figured they were. This was a reference to uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I was thinking the Blair Witch Project, but you know it could be a little of both. Well, I mean, uh, what was it? The the remake has the opening like that. Oh yeah, kind of yeah. So there's a lady journalist and her cameraman. And they are wandering around uninvited in a crime scene. And the cameraman says, don't we need a press pass for this? And she's just like, press pass this. Right off the bat, if you haven't seen this before and you hear that line, at least if you're some sort of an aficionado, that's like a, like, I don't want to say like, I don't want to be overly critical, but it, it's, it's a bit of a strike one. We're just like, oh no, <laughs> that sounds like the first draft before you fixed it. You know, when you're just like, ah, just have her say something surly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're just coming in with no, with no idea, the movie does not give a first good impression. Yeah, I've noticed that of a lot of lower-budget films, that even the good ones, because often they will do additional footage that they do after the fact, and they put it at the beginning, and it's often the worst footage of the whole movie. Like, it doesn't help. It, it actually makes things worse. Although they do need the scene and it does actually nicely tie up with everything else. But I think maybe I would have cut it a little shorter, which is funny because it's only like a two minute scene. Like it's, it's already really short. So, yeah, they're walking around in an old barn and almost immediately the journalist walks through the, the threshold into a room and she gets knocked out by a stick. And then the cameraman, like he starts getting closer, I guess, to help her. And he sees the man sort of creep out from behind the threshold, uh, you know, the man holding the stick. And he's got this horrible burnt face. And so he does. Uh, see, I was going to say, like, the smart thing. I don't know. Maybe it's cowardly to just immediately run. But run, he does. It's weird. When you're watching a horror film, you just want people to run. But I think in reality, you're probably going to try to help someone for a while before you give up. Like, what if you get scared and run away and nothing happened? That lady journalist would have been so mad at you. You're like, you ran away at the first sight. Like, I just hit my head on a stick. That was all. Uh, Sorry, she, it was scary in there. Uh, what's she going to do? Act more surly to him? I mean, <laughs> hedge your bets, man. Run. I'd do it. Yeah, he was strategic. He ran away, but it didn't work. He was immediately tracked down, chased down, and gets knocked over and killed. I think he's bludgeoned from behind. The camera turns and you see his bloody face. And hey, look, it's the director, Eli Craig. He played the cameraman. Yeah. I actually enjoy that when a director not only is in a movie, but then also dies in a movie. <laughs> For yeah. instance, one of the Russo brothers killed himself in, uh, which one was that? Civil War, I think it is, where he's just dead in a bathtub. Oh. That's nice, because you can insert yourself into a movie, but not have to act. All you have to do is be dead. 
Yeah, don't yeah, do just, the just uh, put a little blood on my face and don't do the Tarantino thing. No, no, no. The best you can do is like a Hitchcock, you know, where like maybe you're reading a newspaper and you walk out of the scene without saying anything. Yeah. The camera moves. You see the scarred face of some sick looking evil killer smiling at the camera. And it just goes right to the title card. Tucker and Dale versus evil. The worst guys in history. You know, it's weird because the title. <laughs> the worst guys in history. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think we should just have that be the uh, the tagline for this movie. <laughs> oh, I forgot. See, I was going to look it up so that we could both be surprised about what the tagline of this movie is, but I accidentally saw it, so it kind of ruined it. Oh, okay. I believe it goes, evil has messed with the wrong hillbillies. Or something like that. Let's That's see. terrible. Evil just messed with the wrong hillbillies. I'm sorry. That's not much better. <laughs> yeah. That sucks. It's interesting because, I don't know, I guess from the very beginning you're supposed to relate to the the two titular hillbilly types. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe it's okay that in the tagline, you know, you just be like, yeah. But that's the thing, it's confusing because they don't, there is no evil in this movie for a very long time. So, you know, the title is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. But it seems more like just a a comedy of errors. You know, it's more like, it feels more morally neutral to me. Rather than evil. Yeah, but that's a really bad title, too. Tucker and Dale versus Ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I give this... For years, actually, I gave this movie a bad rap. Because I thought that it was some kind of exploitative movie for monster truck fans. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> Not to poop on monster truck fans, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, just, just pandering to a demographic that I didn't ascribe to. Let's put it that way. Sure. But it doesn't. It actually panders to horror movie insiders and ironic hipsters, which is kind of a cross section for a lot of my in- interests. So it's just right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> it now says that it was three days ago. Which also, that's an annoying trope when you start a movie and it's like three days before that. Yeah, all right, okay. Yeah. And it says the Appalachian Mountains in West Virginia. I looked this up on IMDb and they listed this very opening scene as a goof because it features the wrong kind of trees for West Virginia. What <laughs> the a film blunder. Depicts... Yeah, the film depicts taiga-type conifers they're kind of like white bark birchy looking trees that are up in northern places like canada Mm -hmm. whereas west virginia's forests are comprised mostly of temperate hardwoods checkmate film you got burnt completely took me out of the movie yeah i mean as soon as i saw those trees guys just going briefly by in the background for one scene it just yeah it just ruined it for me I, i walked right out of the theater But the film actually was filmed up north in Calgary, Alberta. That also explains the curious cast of semi-unknown Canadian actors who comprise the characters of this film. Mm-hmm. That and Alan Tudyk. I think Labine might have been an up-and-comer at the time, but Tudyk was the only one. He was an American from El Paso, Texas. So he was an import. I think everybody else was from Canada. 
So a car full of college kids are making their way out into the country. Woo! They have some vacuous conversation. I've already forgotten most of it. And let me put it to you this way. I've watched this movie quite a number of times. I have never remembered what they say here because it, ultimately it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, I mean, not to give things away too much, but most of these people don't live very long. So it, it just feels like they're there to die. And that often sounds like a bad thing, but I think in the case of this movie, it's actually a plus. Uh, yeah. I mean, frankly, we, uh, so can't go through these guys quick enough. Well, I don't know if I'd say that the thing is, is that they don't, they didn't spend enough time establishing some of the characters to the point where when I was writing notes for this, for this podcast, when I was rewatching this, I couldn't remember two characters. I thought that they were one guy and <laughs> that they somehow split in half at one point. I'll go through the list of the characters soon. Not yet. The main character, I don't know. I was about to say main character, but no, he's not the main uh, douchey dude. Chad says that, you know, Oh, we're deep in hill hillbilly country boys. Woo. And someone makes a joke about freaks and, and, uh, the nice character, Allison says, Oh, well, you know, they're not all freaks. And then uh, I forget who says it, but someone says you're either Omega beta or you're a freak. <laughs> God, I forgot that they're frat dudes too. So it's not just college kids. They're like frat boys, frat boys and frat girls. Yeah. Or I guess it's not actually a frat girl. It's a sorority. If it's a girl, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? The car, as it's driving down this lonely forest road, it almost hits a truck pulling out into the road. Mm -hmm. They drive around it and go on, but slowly it catches up to the college kids car. And as the truck passes, the kids are favored with the dull eyed, Slack-jawed stare of two backwoods beardy types in baseball <laughs> caps. I do enjoy this, that even though these, these two men end up being our main characters and people we like, it is established early on that they just have no real social awareness and just kind of blankly stare at people in a way that seems to frighten everyone. <laughs> I will say uh, the guy who plays Dale is... Uh... Very good at doing the slack jawed blank stare. Yeah, that's uh, Tyler Labine. Yeah. He would go on to do other horror films, or at least a couple. He was recently in Escape Room, where he tried to escape a room. Spoiler alert, he does not make it. Also, he was in another Eli Craig movie that was made for Netflix called, oh, what was it called? Little Evil, something like that. And it's, it's kind of an omen ripoff. Oh, about oh, like a kid. Yeah, I've who's like uh, the Antichrist. Yeah, I've I've seen like a, a trailer for that. So you know he's still doing stuff. Yeah, and yeah, honestly, I think he's a pretty good actor. I mean, even in this, I mean, this is probably one of his earlier outings. But yeah, he uh, he really carries the film in a lot of ways, where a lot of these college kids do not. I mean, <laughs> I like this movie, but I do want to point out early on that I do not ascribe to this style or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. They're young folks. They're finding their footing. So I don't want to be too mean to them. But yeah, it's they're not. Let's just say they're not the the crown jewel of the escapade or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, they I'll, ain't here for them. That's all. No, I mean, they're not supposed to be. To their horror, they realize they forgot the beer 
and have to make a stop at a gas station called Last Chance Gas. Uh, I will say, uh, forgetting, I love. It's, forgetting the beer is uh, probably the worst horror movie mistake you can make. Splitting up yeah. a close second. Well, often you split up for beer. So, yeah, if you just bought it ahead of time, problem solved, right? Yeah. Man, I would love to make a Friday the 13th movie where, like, everybody's partying and they keep investigating stuff and dying. But then there's just one guy who's just like, oh, I just got drunk in my room and fell asleep. And he, like, lives through the whole thing. What the hell happened here? Yeah. There's bodies everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Why are they arranged on all the doorways? He's, like, going to the cupboard to get, like, aspirin, you know, and when he opens it up, someone's body swings out. The final girl didn't find that one. There's got to be a movie that's done that. What? Well, it had just, like, the random guy survive and then see all that. There's been a couple that sort of do that. There's that guy in uh, the first Cabin Fever where he actually does hide somewhere and then he comes out and he's like, I made it. I made oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets blown away by the cops. Yeah. That was good. So yeah, spoiler alert for that movie, but you know, whatever it's not, I used to hate that movie. I I've softened to it over the years, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a very bleak and hurtful movie in a lot of ways. A lot of the Eli Roth movies are like that. Yeah. We're not going to let anybody have a happy ending in this movie. They're at the last chance gas station, which is like a, a little on the nose. There's a little boy pumping water. He's got like overalls on and he's just pumping water into a bucket. And you just half expect that there'll be the, the kid with the banjo, like from deliverance sitting on the front porch as they walk by. As they walk in to go find beer, Alan Tudyk's character, whose name is Tucker McGee. I only just recently found his character's last name. I don't know if they ever say it. I don't think they do. I but that. I like that it's just such a, a throwaway last name, you know? It's like, yeah, McGee, whatever. Yeah. So Tucker McGee, he's at the counter. He's making a major purchase that requires the hillbilly guy behind the counter on the register to read off a creepy checklist of ropes and blades. Saw blades, wine and rope, uh-huh. nails. Stuff you need. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, you know, this whole movie, it's just a comedy of errors, you know? It's just, <laughs> it's just misunderstandings, that's all. Before we get too deep into this, and this is, I think, about a good time to try to attempt this, I'm going to take a moment to try to sort out the college kids and their names. So, okay, here we go. So we have, as I mentioned before, we have Allison. She's blonde. She's pretty. She's kind and aware, sort of. She's got that final girl awareness where you're like, oh, okay, well, she'll, you know, she'll probably do pretty well here. She's actually paying attention to what's happening. Mm-hmm. We have, as mentioned previously, we have Chad, who's, we find out later, he's trying to initiate a relationship with her. I guess they haven't, you know, consummated. She has misgivings, I think, because she perhaps realizes that there might be something wrong with him. He's preppy, tall, assertive, and dickish. Yeah. And then almost everyone else is less important, but I'll just try to go through them as best I can describe them. We have a dude bro named Chuck in a red striped shirt. He's only 
notable because he owns the truck that you're driving in. Although I think it's more of an SUV because it's holding a ton of people. Yeah. We also have a frail looking guy in a mechanic shirt. His name is Mitch. We also have Chloe, who is the other blonde girl. She's very vacuous and has no business going out into the woods. <laughs> I don't know why she she went because she's like miserable and walking around in impractical shoes for the whole movie. I mean, that's what you do in most kind of movies. Maybe she was just really bored. She's like, all right, all my friends are going, so I'm just going to go too. Nobody told her what the woods was like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just just wear that low-cut shirt. I'm sure that'll be fine. They should have had a scene where, like, a pine cone just, like, goes right down her cleavage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, well, I know. I'm sorry. I don't mean... That's it's a little reductive. But the movie is like that to her. So it's not entirely my fault. And also, you know what? This is 2010, man. It was 11 years ago. Sure. Times have changed, I guess. So, yeah, sure. It was a different time. 2011 was a dark time for us all. Or 2010. Oh, well, yeah, we also have Jason, a relatively chill, possibly homosexual, African-American gentleman. Uh, I will be referring to him as uh, the Red Ranger. Since Oh, he is was, he the Red Ranger? He, he was one of them, yeah. Oh, nice. I heard that two different people in the movie played Power Rangers, but oh. I don't know who they were. I couldn't narrow it down in time. No, okay, I, I, I knew he was, but uh, I, I didn't know there was another one. So yeah, there's another mystery cast member who was a Power Ranger at one point. Oh yeah, also there's Naomi, who may or may not be Jason's girlfriend. No, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know that. She's just another friend. She seems to mean well. I mean, she's not super mean. So, so there's that. She doesn't have a lot of character development, but the only two people who have even less are the other two guys who I thought was one guy. There are two guys named Mike and Todd who we know nothing about throughout the whole movie. Mike. Oh God, I'm already getting them mixed up. One of them wears a green shirt and the other one wears a gray cap. That's the best I got. So that's the college kids. Allison is in the gas station. She's the sweeter of the two girls, the two blonde girls, rather. I guess there's three girls. She catches the second guy from the truck. Tyler Labine playing big lovable oaf Dale <laughs> as she's moving some wasp spray and he's just staring dumbly at her from like the other aisle. <laughs> I, I can't imagine anyone will uh, give a shit, but it was at that point that I realized that this actor looks a whole lot like a, uh, a rapper named Shakewell that I uh, listen to off and on. Oh, all right. I don't know. Cool. Some of my care. I don't know. That was just something I <laughs> You never know. Uh, yeah. Allison and Chloe get weirded out by Dale and I guess by everyone else in the shop being kind of weird <laughs> and just leave. <laughs> Tucker asks Dale if there's anything else they need and Dale holds up a six pound jar of pickled eggs. Hey, pickled eggs, six pounder. I don't know why they're in the movie, but I appreciate it just because as someone who doesn't eat pickled eggs, they seem very foreign and gross. Uh, I've had them before. They're all right. The concept is gross. And though. then in the very next scene. Well, yeah, maybe just the concept. Yeah. 
But in the very next scene, poor Tyler Labine has to eat a bunch of them because he's just chowing down on the pickled eggs <laughs> while he's talking to Tucker. We're supposed to really like these characters eventually. Mm. But early on, I mean, it's a little weird because they're just kind of sitting there on the back of their truck and just kind of ogling the college girls as they're loading up their truck. Tucker is the slightly more aware of the two, maybe a little more intelligent and assertive, you know, but, but kind-hearted in his own way. So he's trying to give Dale advice. He's like, you got you to gotta stop being so timid and just go talk to those city girls. You are a good-looking man, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good lines in the movie. Yeah. Tucker talks Dale up a bit. So Dale is able to work up his gumption so he can approach the college girls. And for some reason, he just grabs a huge scythe and just walks over there with that in his hand. They show that thing off and they mention buying it. It really feels like a missed opportunity since it doesn't really get used later on. Well, in defense of the movie, they actually show three things. They show Tucker loading up a big old chainsaw, which is used. And also a big old weed whacker, which is also used. So, I, Adam, perhaps there's a scene that was deleted with a scythe at some point. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. It's possible. But right before Dale goes over there, Tucker, you know, stops and is like, all right, well, listen, you got to be confident. So just, you know, whatever, whatever you say, just smile and laugh. Girls like that. <laughs> so he just goes over there and it's, it's such a wonderfully, like, awful scene. Because they're already weirded out by this guy. So he walks over with a scythe in his hand. And he's just like, you guys uh, going camping? <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Chad does a bit of fake kung fu to his face. Ha! Get out of here. Which works because uh, Dale's a sweet old bear of a man. So he's just like, all right, all right, I'm going. <laughs> he doesn't know it's fit. Chad hustles everyone into their car. He doesn't know it's fake kung fu. It could be real kung fu. <laughs> I guess so. Even if it's nothing, it's like, well, he's, he's waving his hands at me real fast. <laughs> From this scene, you get everything you need to know about this movie. So, I mean, if you're annoyed by the presence, you can just walk out of things now. Then just turn off this podcast. No, no, don't do that. But <laughs> what I mean is, you know, this is, this is it. This is, uh, this is the movie. Misunderstanding conflict, evasion, you know, like <laughs> things get a little out of hand. There's a bit of a conflict and then they, they have to part ways again long enough to cultivate a new misunderstanding later. Of course. I don't say that as a criticism. I actually think it's a, a bonus of the movie. It's just, you know, like the movie lays it out real early. It's like, all right, listen, guys, this is what this is going to be. And, uh, you know, just, just enjoy the ride. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As they're driving away, Tucker imparts some more encouragement to Dale. You know, you got to have more confidence in yourself. I don't remember exactly what this conversation was, but it, it, it's all very sweet. We're just like, hey, listen, man, you just got to, you just have to assert yourself. You have to make your own dreams come true. Mm -hmm. But also Tucker is drinking and driving and uh, suddenly they hear the siren of a police car approaching. So uh, in his surprise, Tucker drops the can of beer into his lap and just spills it everywhere. Dale, you know, trying to be helpful, grabs a, a rag and is trying to dab it up. I don't know if you can tell, like, a, a dumb joke when it's coming, but here it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, they have to pull over. 
And Tucker's like, I don't know, you got to get up. He's coming. He's like, ah, my shirt's stuck. And so just as the sheriff is walking up to the to the driver's side window, Dale gets up and tears his shirt open. Oh, wow, what a compromising situation you found us in. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is it too late to have jokes like this anymore? Can we can we do a gay joke and like, you know, and be able to get away with it? Um, Are we past those days? I mean, I think you can do it. It just has to be funnier than this. Oh, well, okay. I don't like this part, but the way Alan Tudyk does his lines is pretty amazing, though. <sighs> I don't know about oh, that. What was it he says? He's like, he's been striking out with the ladies. I figure a little man time would do him some good. No, I get it, but it's like... I think he can still do those kind of jokes. They just have to be... It's just not an inventive joke. Try, yeah, we don't we don't need try, to make jokes to, anymore at the expense of other people's lifestyles. No, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think in this case it's more about the uh, expense of their discomfort over the idea that they might be perceived that yeah. way. I guess there's also the assumption that the demographic for the movie was probably more like younger adolescents, you know, and they, and they get a a bigger kick. Out of a childish gay joke. Sure, yeah. So Tucker tells the sheriff that he sank all of his money into a cabin out by Morris Lake. I guess he did it sight unseen because throughout the movie, he's just surprised by stuff he finds there. I mean, like, he he really should have talked to a real estate agent or something. You got to have someone examine the property for you. Hey, man, there's a lot of real creepy stuff there, and the, the house is real dangerous. Also, there's a reputation. I mean, there may or may not have been a lot of murders there, so uh, if you're going to still buy this house, maybe you could get them to mark down the price a little bit so you don't, you're not spending your whole nest egg on a murder house. Yeah. I mean, that's weird, too, because I feel like his character, that's more of a Dale thing, being that trusting. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They they both say that it's their dream house, so I don't know if they pooled their money together, but I think it's more Tucker's plan because he says he used every cent he had. Yeah. So maybe Dale contributed and they, like, co-own? Yeah, I heard to say. But a vacation home is a vacation home. The sheriff says that there's nothing up by Morris Lake except pain and death on a scale you wouldn't even imagine. And they just... They just blink. Like, they don't react to this at all. They're like, okay, that was a weird thing to say. <laughs> anyway, well, I mean, what are you getting out of here? What do you even say to that? I don't know. Yeah, what could you say? You're just like, wow, that is that is not where I thought this conversation was going to go, officer. I don't know. I have a pretty wild imagination. Yeah, I can imagine a lot. I don't know why I was thinking of Han Solo. <laughs> There's, like, multiple movies where they're like, uh, how much money? Oh, more than you can imagine. I don't know. I can imagine quite a bit. <laughs> Unrelated. Okay, so Dale is so excited by the sight of rusty old trucks on the property as they drive up. I was just thinking, like, how bizarre that is. You got, like, a bunch of rusty old Model Ts in your front yard, and you're like, yeah, look at that. Look at this garbage I'll have to tow away. This is great. Do you think so? I feel like he'd be the kind of guy to try and, like, restore it. I mean, it is a vacation home out in the middle of nowhere, so maybe it has a certain rustic charm to just leave it there. Yeah, I don't know. People seem to like leaving also interesting rusted out cars in the, the front of their lawns. 
I don't think they like doing that. I think that's just how it, <laughs> you know, like I think that's just the side effect of not having a decent garage. My previous car isn't very drivable, but I still haven't gotten rid of it. So now it's just kind of slowly moldering in my front driveway. It's just a monument to my inadequacy as a mechanic. I just don't have really the will to learn how to fix a car. So I'm just adding to the shame. <laughs> as they drive up, the cabin exterior essentially looks like the cabin from Evil Dead. I think that's intentional. And it's I, I, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it kind of has to be. It looks almost exactly to me like the cabin from Evil Dead. And it's also the same design that they used in the cabin in the woods. So it's just, if you care about that, there you go. So they walk inside and the optimism they express when they enter that murder den, it's just, I don't know, it's just precious. Uh, yeah. It's just a little dusty is all. There's bones hanging from the ceiling. The back wall is covered in newspaper clippings about local murders and disappearances. Yeah, I, no, I like. But when the, Tucker goes to check it out, oh yeah, I, go ahead. I like when uh, like it was Dale's looking over the bones. And he's like, "Hey, the last guy must have been like some kind of archaeologist." Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're just assuming the best of things. Yeah, and Tucker finds that clipping around like you know missing child by lake and whatever. He's like, oh, hey, Chubby's Chili Dog Depot, buy three, get two free, no expiration date. You know who these two remind me of a little bit? Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to... Uh, I think it's just the... Mention another Bill and Ted. Is there more than one? No. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to be nice because not everybody no. is of our Sorry. generation. I feel like everybody of a certain age group knows exactly who no, Bill no, and Ted are. No, I know. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, if you haven't seen the movies, no, no, yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean anything to I, you. No, yeah. Yeah, for those of you youngins, one of them was played by Keanu Reeves. Wait, they who did was that. still that, famous uh, and so, you know, in some ways. They did a recent uh, Bill and Ted movie recently. They did. Yeah, I guess that's, that's true. That that probably drummed up awareness. Yeah, still haven't seen that. But yeah, they, I mean, it's just another kind of Abbott and Costello type situation. You know, just two kind of irrepressible, fun characters. Mm -hmm. Their innocence and honest joy is just kind of life-affirming. You know, I think I just like that in a movie, especially a horror movie, because things are so grim. So it's really nice to have a, a counterpoint to just kind of balance things out a little bit. So Tucker's talking about how this is all a dream come true and he leans on a support post. It's like the only support post in the whole house <laughs> and it's a horrible trap. Well, I don't know if it's actually a trap, but it is essentially a trap because when the post moves over, it knocks free. I don't know what it is, a support beam and it's just covered in nails. Yeah. It comes right down where your head's supposed to be, but Dale pushes them out of the way. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The house was originally owned by a murderer, so... It might have been that's actually what was happening. Maybe that was a weird trap he had for people who were in his house. I don't know. I, I do think that is legitimately... I mean, it's funnier if it is just like a... Uh, the way the uh, the house worked An out. egregious structural error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we get back to the college kids who have now set up a campfire. 
Chad starts to tell a story about two hillbillies who murdered a bunch of college kids right in that very spot. <laughs> I didn't spend enough time describing this in my own notes. It's a cool scene. Well, I mean, part of it is. But it's a flashback of prior murders for a story that might not be true. Mm-hmm. So that makes me a little hesitant to go through the details too much. There was one girl, they made the mistake of having like just a frontal neck stab, but her face doesn't change expression after she's been stabbed. So it looks really fake and wrong. And I yeah. feel a little bad both for the actress and for the special effects guy that they couldn't quite work it out. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a bad effect. Great. You know, but they didn't have a lot of money, so whatever no yeah I'm not... and it's you know, it's a flashback it's it might not need to be as realistic i guess because it might not even be a real story peter Clinton. that's an excuse and you know it hey i'm all about making excuses for movies i like <laughs> oh yeah i do love that in the flashback the party years are playing pump up the jam oh it's yeah. supposed to be from 20 years ago I'm yeah. like, oh no <laughs> I really am getting old when they're playing house music for the old timey part. Yeah, I was gonna say I I noticed that immediately, and Pump I was like, "Up the jam." Well, it's funny because like I get like most of these horror movies are old enough that if they were to do that scene in a different movie, it would be like the seventies or something. Yeah. That's often the trope, especially when you show stuff from the past, at least for much of the cinema of my life. Yeah. It's often like, here's something that happened back in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s, basically up until maybe the 70s. That's about where you'll you'll top out a flashback. But you know what? Time keeps creeping along. And so now, you know, we're (laughs) going to start getting movies where like they're playing like Evanescence on the radio when someone gets killed like 30 years ago. (laughs) Sure. Bring me back to life. No, not this time, man. Uh, actually, Peter, they they did that already. Uh, the movie was called. Oh, did they? The movie was called Daredevil. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I choose not to remember that movie. I, at least two, bare minimum, four minute long extended sequences. They're essentially just Evanescence music videos. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Right before the story starts, the African-American gentleman, uh, Jason, he asks if you have a recurring dream about, you know, sucking a penis. <laughs> I can't think of a nice way to put it. Aflating a man, if that makes you gay. And the whole party is like, yeah, it does. Peter, do you have to put that in a nice way? Why can't sucking a man's penis be a nice thing? I'm sure it is for at least one of the people involved, <laughs> I, but no, I mean, you would, hope, I just thought you it was would so weird. it's such a people. random thing. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of sexual acts, it's, it's a lot of effort on one side and a lot of gratification on the other side. I, without getting into specifics too much. Sure. So after they hear this, this horrible story about how these hillbillies come they throw a saw into a man's head. They chase down the rest. They kill them all. And only one lady survives. And, and everyone's bodies were buried right on that spot. Which they never established whether or not that's true. But it might be. 
And so immediately after they hear this story, someone's like, hey, we should go skinny dipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what you do after a scary story is you get naked and you go out in the dark and crawl around on slippery rocks. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a good time to me. So Allison and Chad are alone for a minute. Chad decides to make his move. You know, he's talking about how he likes Allison because he thinks that she thinks that she's superior to everyone. And he likes that because he thinks that she is like, it's a weird, almost kind of a eugenicsy kind of angle. He's coming at it. He's like, yeah, you're, you're one of the chosen ones. Uh, you should think you're better than everybody. Yeah. Not to like psychoanalyze a movie character, but he, uh, he definitely has a case of uh, protagonist syndrome. Protagonist syndrome? What do you mean? Well, just like feeling like you're the, uh, the hero of the story. You know? Oh. I don't, I don't I guess. I don't know. To me, it feels like he comes into this story feeling like he's the king and, you know, he's just waiting to be coronated. You know, he's just like, all right, now I just need a girl to be with me and then I can go live my superior life. But unfortunately for him, Allison just really isn't having it. You know, he goes in for a kiss. She draws away. He's like, I'm just not sure. He doesn't want to stop. But thank God they don't go too far because I'm getting real sick of that. Like, it's it's hard especially to do these podcasts and then have to cover that scene. Yeah. A lot of movies have that scene. It's like, oh, please don't make me pick this scene apart. But luckily, they, you know, he more or less listens. So uh, great. So that's progress. I mean, it's 2010 now. So in the 80s, he might have just kept going and she would have to flee and then get killed by a random monster. That's often how it would go. Like you would punish the woman who was being attacked. Uh, yeah. How but... dare you separate from the group? You should have just <laughs> gone along with it. I mean, this is also a comedy. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. As I said before, it might be more of a comedy than a horror film. Thank God they keep the balance correct. They don't darken things too much. And also just not all guys, right, Jacob? Uh, okay, all right. No, Let's kidding. move along. Chad is absolutely one of those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not denying that. Yeah. So he's he's pushy and creepy. She says no. Then we cut to Tucker and Dale, and they've decided to go night fishing. I think that is... That's a real thing. I think certain fish only come out at night and, you know, you don't want to disturb them. So uh, that's when you catch them. They're down to their last can of Pabst Blue rib Ribbon in the, uh, in the cooler. And it's pretty great because Tucker is about to take the last can, even though it's, it's clearly Dale's. You know, it was his to take. Mm -hmm. And Dale just lets him do it. And then, and then Tucker's just like, man, you need to assert yourself. You can't just let people walk all over you. And so Dale's just like, all right, I guess I'll take the beer. And then, Tucker slaps his hand like, no, <laughs> well, you just said, it's like, yeah, I just said, but now I'm saying don't touch that. It's a fun little moment. Yeah. I don't know why there was a big thing. I don't know if it's true anymore, but Pabst Blue Ribbon was both the favorite of, for lack of a better term, you know, trailer parky folk and also ironic hipstery types. So like it hit this golden spot where basically everybody liked the beer. Well, everyone liked it because it was super cheap. Still and then uh, I can't find PBR around here, but it's my understanding that it's uh, gotten far more expensive. 
Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So it's it was more just an economic decision on everyone's part. Yeah. I mean, which is why you go with steel reserve now. It's like a dollar hmm. fifty a tall boy. Come on. While they're bickering over the last Paps Blue Ribbon, they spy Allison up on a high rock, undressing and preparing to dive off. Dale covers his eyes like a little kid, which is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And he just calls out. He's just like, Tucker! And it startles Allison. And so she slips and falls and hits her head on a rock as she, right before she hits the water. Well, it's not clear, but I think she hits her head right before she hits the water. She fell a long way. So it seems like that would have just killed her, but it doesn't. I mean, if she died, the movie would have been far less charming. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know. They keep it a little ambiguous about the way it's framed. So you don't know if she hit her head or not, but for whatever reason, she falls and is unconscious. So then they go to save her when she doesn't come up again. And the college kids see they're taking her unconscious body and just dragging her into their boat. And then when Tucker notices, he's like, wait, look, I got your friend. <laughs> you know, and they think he's like taunting them. And so they just run away. Yeah. Hey, wait, why are you running away? It's just a good time, Jacob. That's what I'm no, saying. No, I know. I'm just... Look, I'm not saying that it doesn't have funny moments. It is... Look, you can't avoid it. The movie is just one joke. And they reframe yeah. it different well, ways, yeah. and they spin it... Which is also, like... They proposed doing a sequel to this movie. And how did, Yes, they did. How would you even do that? You know? Well, that was part of the issue about why they never did do it. It was a couple of years afterwards. They hired someone to write a script and then Alan Tudyk and Tyler Labine and, you know, the director, uh, Eli Craig, read the script and decided it was terrible. <laughs> so then they didn't do it. Yeah, that's... So kudos to them Yeah, for making the right decision. Yeah, it just... It, this movie does kind of feel like a one-and-done thing. It didn't need... I a... think you could do it again. But I also don't know that you need to put a time limit on it. I mean, older hillbillies, in a way, it almost works better. You could do this like 20 years from now after everyone's forgotten. Oh, God. Tucker and Dale, a retirement home. Well, maybe not that. Well, I mean, that's just Bubba Hotep, which they should have made a sequel for. I actually never saw that. Oh, really? I, mean, I, like to, the, but yeah. I don't know. It just seems so strange. Oh, yeah, it is. That's part of why it's fun. Oh, yeah, we should do Bubba Hotep. Yeah. Is it a horror film? Uh, I don't think it is. I mean, it has horror elements to it. Look, if we're doing this... Yeah, I'll look into it. If we're doing this, we can do Bubba Hotep. Hey, that, you're slippery sloping stuff now. Every, <laughs> like, hey, if we're doing this, we can just do whatever we want then. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Well, okay. Let's check the Wikipedia. A 2002 American comedy horror film. All right. Oh, wow. It counts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fine. That's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But if we're doing that, then I'm going to do High Spirits, and you don't want to do that. What the hell is High Spirits? I got to get some... <laughs> it's a Steve Gutenberg movie from the 80s. Oh, why are you It's even also got putting... that girl from Splash. No, why are you even putting these two it's movies in It's got ghosts in, in it and stuff. Yeah, but, like, Boba Hotep is, like, oh, kind of, like, scary stuff, I guess. 
It's it's horror. I don't, I've never seen it. I have no idea what's in that film. Okay, well, watch it first. And we're not doing high spirits. I, <laughs> I just, I, right. Even just the idea sucks. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> so the next morning, Dale makes pancakes for Allison at the cabin. She wakes up. She's in a strange place. She's guarded by a weird one-eyed dog. And uh, when she sees big old Dale coming in with a tray, she rightfully freaks out. She's like, oh, don't hurt me. And Dale believes it's because she doesn't like his pancakes. And so he just leaves to make her something else. <laughs> also, look, I understand that dog. I mean, it's nice, I guess. Uh, that dog is very scary looking. Like, I'm sure. I'm, yeah. I'm I don't sure... know if it's actually a one-eyed dog. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure in real life it's very nice, but it also looks like the kind of dog that, uh, if it felt the desire to do so, it could just kill you, <laughs> yeah. which I'm not a big so. fan of. It's a sweet looking dog. Yeah. His, his name is Jangers. <laughs> Jangers the dog. The college kids rally, I guess. They tell Chad they saw two men kidnap Allison. I think it's Jason. One of them embellishes a bit and says that they thought that they saw one of them eating her face. <laughs> Which I thought was great. That They're just like, you know, they just assume that was happening. They're just like, oh, that's why we got scared and ran. I, I think that they were covering their own butts a bit. They were just trying to give an excuse for why they ran away. Yeah. When the group decides to go save Allison... You know, they come to the clearing by the cabin and they are too afraid to enter the clearing. So Chad just bullies, you know, the mechanic shirt kid named Mitch into going into going in all by himself by calling him a bitch. Pretty mean, Chad. It did work, however. It absolutely worked. <laughs> Don't call me a bitch. All right, fine. I'll go to the creepy clearing. So inside of the cabin... Dale returns a bit later and reassures Allison that they saved her and only brought her to their cabin because their friends fled and she was hurt. Dale introduces Allison to his dog, Jangers. He's about to leave her alone to recuperate, but she asks if there's anything to do. Dale pulls down some sort of trivial pursuit type board game. It's apparently his personal favorite. So I guess the serial killer who used to live here likes the same kind of board games. Uh, yeah, that's... And they decide to play around. Didn't, didn't really think about that. That's funny. <laughs> I love Trivial Pursuit. Well, that's not what it's... It has some other trivia name. It's some generic board game, but yeah, it's essentially Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tucker was out back doing yard work the whole time. He's got his chainsaw, and he's going to cut a big old hollow log and accidentally upsets what is, I guess, supposed to be a bee's nest. Mm -hmm. But the nest looks more like a paper wasp nest. Okay, <sighs> full disclosure, I, I actually i am raising bees in my backyard. Oh, that's so, like, true. I know what a beehive uh, looks like. Yeah. They don't look like that. I don't want to well actually things. But, yeah, you're, you don't want to, but uh, you're doing a good job. But I will. Yeah. I will, Jacob. Yeah, well, actually... <laughs> Well, yeah, it's an animated thing. They look more like wasps. They might as well have just said it was, but well, I don't know if they ever say which which thing it is. Maybe it is a wasp nest. You know, whatever. Anyway, he starts getting stung. 
and just waving the chainsaw around. And then he runs out into the clearing where, where Mitch is standing and Mitch thinks he's coming after him, you know, like it's a Texas chainsaw massacre. So he just freaks out and runs, which, you know, 100% understandable in that situation. Yeah. That might be my favorite scene when he just like emerges from the side of the house. Like, ah, ah! <laughs> Yeah. No, I, yeah, I do love that he does the uh, the little Texas Chainsaw Massacre dance with the uh, the chainsaw. Yeah, like swinging around in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> Tucker actually manages to overtake and run past Mitch. And they have this really bizarre moment where they're both running side by side and they just look at each other like <laughs> confused. Yeah. Which is actually pretty great. Yeah. What, what's what's happening? Mitch isn't paying attention, so he manages to run himself through with a pointy branch of a fallen tree. And then Mitch just kind of goes pale and dies a slow, sad, painful death there on the branch. But not before a bee or a wasp lands on his nose, as if to remind him of how much of an idiot he is. Or maybe to indicate that Mitch didn't know the whole story. So, you know, rip Mitch, I guess. Oh, no, I kind of took it to me. hardly knew ye. I took that to mean that he, like, when the bee landed on him, that he figured out what happened, but only just as he was dying. It's a comedy of errors. It's a tragedy, really. Yeah. So Dale and Allison have fun playing the board game and get to know one another a little bit. Allison is majoring in psychology, and Dale says he has a weird brain that can remember anything it is told. Tucker comes in with his face all covered in puffy bee stings. I, I keep saying bees. I, I don't know what they want. Well, I think they said that there's stingers in his face and wasps don't leave their stingers. So I think it was supposed to be bees. Oh, whatever. Anyway. So <laughs> Dale goes and pulls the stingers out of Tucker's face. And Tucker mentions that he saw one of the college kids out front running away from him. Allison wants to go out immediately to find her friends. But Dale insists uh, that she rest and recuperate while him and a badly stung Tucker go out and look for them on her behalf. I don't know why he insists on this. I guess he's being nice, but I wonder if it's just a little more like pathetic. Like Dale just doesn't want her to leave because he likes her. I think that's it. No way, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame because if he had let her leave, then a lot of this would have been cleared up. There only would have been one dead body. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe. It's sad that there's already a death. I mean, people are dying early enough. You know, you get the sense that like, oh, this, this isn't going to go well for these college kids, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. So the college kids find Mitch's body. Chad thinks the body was left there as a warning to the rest of them. <laughs> Chloe can't get a signal with her phone. So Chad, in a moment of stupid rage, grabs her phone and smashes it on a rock. It doesn't work out here. <laughs> what a dick move, bro. Yeah. That was... had all my apps were on that thing. I mean, like, what, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> Granted, this is 2010. So maybe the phones weren't as cool back then. I don't actually remember where we were in phonedom, but yeah, that's, you get a sense. He's not playing with a full deck when he's doing stuff like that. No, but I mean, even so don't, uh, you don't destroy people's phones. It's rude. Yeah, that's my property, man. So Chad waves around a hatchet and declares that things have become survival of the fittest. And he seems excited by the notion. (laughs) Everyone's just like, 
What, what are you talking about, man? The group hears Tucker and Dale approaching, and they hide to spy on them. And they have this great little conversation, so I wrote it down verbatim. You know, Tucker, you would have been proud of me. Smart little college girl, and I was beating the crap out of her. <laughs> Dale, you beat the crap out of everybody. There's something wrong with your brain. It's a fun time. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. No, no. Dale says when they get back that he'll finish her off real quick, <laughs> which the college kids uh, naturally misconstrue. Yeah. They find the hatchet that Chad left and realize the college kids are nearby. They didn't realize it before this time. Or no, I didn't realize it before this time. But this time when I watched the film, I didn't realize that Mitch's dead body is right nearby in the background and neither Tucker nor Dale see him. So they're standing right by this kid's corpse and they're yelling for the college kids, but they just don't turn around and see the impaled boy on a stick. Anyway, they yell for the kids. They receive no answer. I do love, I don't know why I find it so funny, but I just love that Tucker's out there with his deformed puffy face and he's just yelling at them. Like, college kids! <laughs> because they can't find them, they decide, oh, well, we can just leave a message, you know, like you do. You carve a creepy message into a, a trunk. That's, that's how you get people's attention. It's a shame you didn't have a pen on them. They could have just written a note. You know, it's perfectly normal behavior. No, it's a, it's a good joke. No, it is. It's pretty funny. I mean, you think because the college kids come out. Well, because I you just think about like how much time he uh, had to spend doing that. It would have taken so long. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. They must have watched him carving for like an hour. Yeah. And it's all like it's got typos in it. He wrote, "We got your friend," but it's "U R" and then it's "F R E I N D." So it's like, "We got your friend." <laughs> Look, he's trying. Yeah. So they go back and they just decide to do some yard work. Tucker decides to grind up tree branches and a wood chipper. And Dale starts digging out the outhouse hole. Allison comes out and offers to help Dale dig, claiming she grew up on a farm and knows the ropes. You know, honestly, I don't buy that. Not with them skinny little arms, girl. But, you know, whatever. It's a sweet offer, I suppose. The college kids spot Allison and Dale and believe he is making her dig her own grave. <laughs> I do. I like that. That they're just they're writing their own narrative at this point. Like it almost doesn't matter what happens. Whatever evidence they're presented with, they're just gonna be like, and that's that just proves it even more. There are a few of the more anonymous college dudes that I get mixed up because they die right now. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy. Yeah, as I said, there's Mike and there's Todd. I don't know I don't know which is which. So there's a guy in a gray baseball cap and a gray sweater. And he has a sharpened stick. I think they sharpened it with the hatchet. And then there's the strong looking fellow in a green t shirt and he's got short dark hair. He's got like a little pen knife or something. Mm -hmm. So the guy in the baseball cap goes to stab Dale with the pointy stick while Dale's not looking. But Allison notices and calls out to Dale, and Dale is holding the shovel he was using to dig. So when he turns to look, he, he hits Allison right in the face. Or no, actually, I think it's the back of her head with a shovel, just knocking her out for the second time in this movie, but not the last time. And then she and Dale fall into the pit, and the guy with the gray sweater trips and loses his grip on the spear, 
which sticks into the ground in the pit next to Dale. And then the gray sweater guy falls in and impales himself on his own spear. Uh, I will say it's, it's, it's honestly pretty amazing. Two impalements in a row. It's a little lazy. I gotta say. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. But I do really like that. He slowly lowers down to Dale <laughs> while he's like bleeding to death and dying. Yeah. Oh God. No, no, that one is, that is good. I mean, Dale has no idea what's going on, so <laughs> I don't know why, but it, it's extra funny just watching Dale be tormented because of how innocent he is. You know, like, he just doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, please. <laughs> please don't. So then green t-shirt guy goes to stab Tucker in the back as he's holding or not holding mm. as he's loading wood into the wood chipper. Oh, hey, guess so naturally we all know how this is going oh, to yeah, go. My, my favorite scene in the movie. Naomi and Chloe go to watch. They sort of position themselves near the wood chipper, but not in the same line of sight. It seems like they're basically there so that blood can splash on them. And boy, does it. Mm-hmm. They only get to see the aftermath of the green shirt guys failed attack. So he, he <laughs> dives past Tucker as Tucker's going to grab some wood. And so he just goes head first right into the wood chipper <laughs> Fargo style. Yeah. Uh, Tucker in horror and panic tries to pull him out again, but to Naomi and Chloe, it just looks like he's like lowering him in by his legs. <laughs> ah! Yeah. Ah! Oh, what a horrible day for Tucker as well. I mean, he doesn't know what's happening either. So, yeah. yeah. So RIP green shirt guy. We hardly knew you. And then a big old glop of blood and visceral stuff hurdles out of the wood chipper <laughs> and just soaks poor Chloe <laughs> You know, and her low-cut shirt. I guess that's kind of, yeah, I guess that's the pine cone equivalent, you know, that I was mentioning before. Sure, yeah. <laughs> what she's wearing is just not designed for this kind of abuse. No. The wood chipper freezes up, and then Tucker says, are you okay? She's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's just so ridiculous. Half of him is gone by this point. Tucker and Dale go inside and tell each other about how a college dude just killed himself right in front of them. <laughs> and they just uh, both agree that it's a, it's just a suicide pact. It's like, oh, they're, they're killing themselves all over our property. Dale says, you know, he's the, he's the sweet one. So Dale says that they should call the police. Tucker, far more practical of the two, rightfully points out that there's absolutely no way that anyone is going to believe their story. <laughs> Yeah. Heidi Ho, officer, we've had a doozy of a day. <laughs> we were just minding our business, and then these college kids started killing themselves all over our property. What are you, you going to say? What can you say? I mean, it, it essentially forces them onto a path where they have to hide the murders, or the deaths, rather, just so that they won't be in trouble for a thing that they didn't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that sucks. I, well, yeah. What was that? Oh, no, I, I was just agreeing. Yeah, I mean, there is no way to explain that in a way that doesn't make you just look guilty as hell. Yeah. And spoiler for slightly, you know, a little further along, uh, the cop listens to them far more than he really has any right to. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to guys who just have dead bodies scattered all over their, their lawn. 
So Chad is sharpening the hatchet as the rest of the college kids debate what it is they should do. Apparently, Chad sent Chuck off earlier to go get the police in the truck, so they can't use the truck to leave. So then Naomi suggests that they walk, and Chloe says, 40 miles? And Naomi says, maybe you should have thought of that before you wore your stripper shoes. Wah, wah. I actually really feel bad for the, the Chloe actress because they make her walk in that kind of stripper shoe walk the whole movie. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she's actually wearing those kinds of shoes, but like they make her sort of bounce around like, you know, like she can just barely keep herself standing. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Even for a joke character, that feels like that's a lot of foot pain to uh, be dealing with. I don't know if she's even really wearing them. I just feel like she's she might just have to pretend like she is. You know, it's not like they're showing people's feet all the time in the movie. That's true. Although I bet you, I bet you anything that the director, you know, Eli Craig, maybe he was a jerk and he's like, no, you will wear high heels all the time. Well, I suppose we could go check or, you know, whatever feet. No, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, let's not. <laughs> you know, that's the real horror. <laughs> Yeah. That even no, I no, dare not turn to. Yeah, the, the real horror is that someone knows. <laughs> if you know, write in and tell us all about it, please. In lurid detail. Okay, so, hey, hey, everyone, Chuck actually got the police. I love that, like, a character left with their one means of escape and then comes back. He doesn't come with his own car, so I guess he parked it somewhere. But he did come at least with the squad car. You know, the, the sheriff brings him along. Hmm. So, I mean, he actually went and got the cavalry. Good going, Chuck. You are actually a capable character, I guess. Oh, wait, no. I just remembered how he dies. Uh, no, he is not a capable character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't... Like, you were being really... Soon enough. We'll, we'll get there. You were being enthusiastic. I didn't want to uh, bum you out. Well, I mean, he did... He brought the cops, or at least he brought a cop. It's the sheriff, who's kind of a Loomis character in this movie. It seems like he's trying to protect this land from a, a curse he feels is on it about the murders. Yeah. But Chad is a weirdo, and he's getting too into the situation, so he refuses to seek help with the police, and so he kind of just commits to like a, a Rambo, vigilante, most dangerous game type mindset, and just wanders off into the bushes while everyone else gets into the squad car. So Tucker and Dale go to clean up the scene of the deaths. Dale yanks the legs out of the wood chipper, but falls over with them on top of him. <laughs> and then Tucker just drags the bloody corpse over Dale's face to get it off of him. <laughs> ah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I love that he like, he drags it like the perfectly wrongest way, you know, like to get maximum entrails just dragged over his friend. <laughs> <laughs> No, please. They each take a leg and they're going to just drag the torso. I don't know what they're going to do. Just bury him and just try to figure out what to do later, I guess. But they don't get to go very far because then the sheriff drives up as they're dragging half of a dead person across the yard. Not great timing. No. The sheriff doesn't believe their perfectly reasonable story about suicidal college kids. Uh, and then Dale says, uh, Oh yeah, we also have a, a girl inside. I knocked her unconscious. She's in my bedroom. 
by accident. You know, Tucker's like, yeah, yeah, by accident. That's the important part. And that's the weird thing. The sheriff absorbs their story. He's like, yeah, all these kids are killing themselves on our, on our property. And then he's just like, you must think that I'm just some kind of moron to be believing a story like that. But then he kind of just seems like he goes along with it because then when he mentions the girl, that there's a girl in the house, he's just like, all right, well, let's just see what you've done with her. It's a weird like delivery. It's almost just like, all right, fine. I'll indulge you guys for just a little while. He motions to the kids in the squad car. He's just like, all right, you guys simmer down. I'm just going to go into this creepy cabin with these two men who were dragging around half of a dead body moments before. <laughs> and they're just like, what are you doing? Honestly, I'm, I'm on the college kids side for this part. We're just like, what are you doing? Mr. Copper man. I mean, like this doesn't make any sense. Look, I appreciate it when a cop displays uh, this much of a benefit of the doubt. Far too often. He's, yeah. This is a uh, police truly and... exceptional benefit of the da- doubt in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, just legendary levels of slack he's giving these people. The sheriff tests Allison's eyes, the reaction to the light, you know, when you shine the flashlight into them, they dilate properly. So he says there's no brain damage. And then he tells them that the two of them are looking at two counts of involuntary manslaughter, if they're lucky. <laughs> but then the sheriff goes to lean on the hazardous support post, and the nail-ridden beam just bashes him right in the face. Bam! I mean, the college kids are mostly trapped in the back seat. I I really love this whole scene actually because he just the sheriff wanders out into the front yard and he's got a plank of wood stuck to his forehead that has I don't know like twenty nails in it. I don't know why there's so many nails. <laughs> yeah, and, he, and he's just staggering around like half dead, just like oh, oh. <laughs> and they're just. Almost all of the college kids are locked in the back seat of the squad car, so they can't get out. So they're just like pounding on the protective glass, like, oh my god, they killed him. <laughs> yeah. And there's only there's only Chuck in the front seat, passenger seat. As I said earlier, I mean, you know, he was he was smart to have brought the cop, but he's not super great at this part. Because the sheriff gets to the car. He tries in vain to pick up the, the radio to dispatch for help, I I suppose, you know, like Part of his brain was still working, but not enough. And then he just kind of collapses and dies. <laughs> yeah. So uh, R.I.P. Sheriff. Chuck spots his gun and goes to grab that. He goes to shoot Tucker and Dale, you know, who are out on the porch. They were sort of bickering about what it is they were supposed to do and about who was supposed to fix the post and whose fault it was. And then Chuck just walks up and tries to shoot them, but the gun doesn't work. So then... To be helpful, wait, who is it that says it? Is it Tucker or Dale? I forget. It's Dale. Yeah, I think it's Dale. It's but Dale. one of them says, like, oh, no, no, you got you to take off the safety. <laughs> He's like, why would you say that? But whatever. <laughs> so Chuck, like, fumbles with the gun and gets it loose, you know. And, it, and I love the way he plays with it in his hand where, like, the, the barrel of the gun is going, like, in front of his face, like, over and over again. Like, yeah, whoop, yeah. whoop, whoop, whoop. And then he just, he just blows his own head off. Oh, jeez. What a comedy of errors. Everybody's dying. The kids are trapped in the back seat. They, they're just really flipping out now. Chad emerges from the bushes and just grabs the gun and starts shooting at Tucker and Dale. So they flee inside. The two lay on the floor and argue about whether it was right to have saved Allison in the first place. Dale says none of the events would have happened if they hadn't gone fishing. 
and that he doesn't even like fishing, which really hurts Tucker's feelings. <laughs> like right in the middle of this death-defying scene, he's just like, I thought you liked fishing. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> he seems so hurt. You know, like the... the yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the, the strength of their friendship takes precedent over almost everything, really. The gunfire stops. They hear the bark of Dale's dog, Jangers, outside. Chad has taken Jangers hostage. Dun, dun, dun. Next time on Gorman on Gore. Have you any idea why they behave like that? Never done this before. It's probably because of me. I guess they sense the mood I'm in. She. A solid layer of scummy flakes. But am I normal? We've got chimpanzees. We've got Iron Maiden. We've got a hundred thousand flies. Phenomena. 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 You know what I just realized, Jacob? Oh. Um, I have the trailer all queued up, and I never even played the damn thing. Uh, <laughs> so how's about we just uh, play that now here at the midpoint? I that's the perfect yeah, time to just, do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you already committed, but you know what? Let's get excited. You know, let's renew our our enjoyment, our enthusiasm. Uh, sure. See if I got this worked out correctly. Oh, jeez. Whoa, Jesus. Did you see the way those guys looked at us? Yeah, there it is. Who wants to go skinny dipping? No. We got your friend. They captured Allison. It's the pancakes. You hate pancakes. I'm, I'm gonna make you something else. What am I doing here? Fell into the water. I dove in and rescued you. We'll go find your friends. You should relax. Tucker and Dale are on the case. What is this place? It's just a cabin. It doesn't mean they're psycho killers. Then why don't you go in there and talk to them? All right. Maybe I will. I said maybe. Dale? What are you doing? I'm, I'm digging a crapper hole. You mind if I help? He's making her dig her own grave. There's no rules out here. It's us against them. Oh, good looking friends are here. Are you okay? Saw your friend out there. He must be allergic to bees or something because he was running like a bat out of hell. This is a suicide pact. These kids are coming out here and they're killing themselves all over the woods. Oh my God, that makes so much sense. The girl that we have, she can maybe explain the whole thing. You've got another one inside. Oh, she's in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you gotta take the safety off on the side there. Don't do this. Ah! Ah! Time to start being more careful. Get, 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 get. Time to die, freak. Ah! Fire! Stop, stop, roll. No, don't, don't use that. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's get you down from there. Wait. Sorry about that. This vacation sucks. Okay. All right. I didn't realize how much that tra- that trailer covers almost the entire movie. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why it's just like, so concisely okay. wrapped up all of the things we've just discussed. I know. It, it just like that's kind of why I feel like I don't dislike this movie, but this movie feels like it could have been a skit. <laughs> yeah, like that old mad tv skit where that guy keeps killing people by accident in the room <laughs> and then someone else walks in and he has to kill them too yeah yeah oh no that one was great I it was great it. because it was about a yeah it, it was like a what was it like a parrot like he was watching a parrot for an old woman yeah yeah and then the parrot dies and then the old woman freaks out and so he's just like hey, shut up shut up and then like he accidentally kills her well no no no. he and then like someone stir- finds you know the old woman Oh, no, he strangles her. What was it? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, he, like people keep stumbling upon the last person that he strangled, so he has to strangle them and, until he has to, like, go out and, like, chase down a jogger across the street or something like that. Yeah. It's pretty good. Oh, God, yeah. The best part is that afterwards they, they zoom in on the parrot and it's, like, still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh. So yeah, I mean that really summarizes the movie. Jeez, it's a series of misunderstandings. Chuck yeah. blew his face off. He even did it in the trailer, apparently. <laughs> so where were we, where were we in our retelling of it? Oh yes. So Chad has taken Jangers the dog hostage, and then Dale gets very upset. It's almost like a stand-in for the audience because you know that people like a big sweet dog, and so he's just like, "If you kill my dog, then then I'll just get real mad." <laughs> so dale grabs a nail gun to keep chad distracted while tucker sneaks out and tries to sneak up on him Mm. but just to give clarity you know just to give everyone clarity on who is left at this point we have allison so allison is still unconscious inside and outside we have chad jason naomi chloe and you know doggy jangers so almost all the forgettable ones are dead at this point, mm-hmm. except maybe Naomi, which it's not really her fault, but they just, they didn't give a lot of these characters time to really develop, you know, any distinctive personalities. So she's just sort of there. Yeah. So Chad and Dale exchange gunfire back and forth until Chad runs out of bullets. Although Dale doesn't realize this because Chad then threatens to shoot the dog unless Dale brings out Allison, which really upsets Dale. But he didn't have any more bullets, so I don't think it mattered. It was just a bluff. Mm-hmm. But regardless, Tucker sneaks behind and uh, frees Jangers, but gets spotted by the college kids. You know, and then they chase him around in the woods. He tries to hide somewhere, but it's not successful. So he's found out by Chad. So they knock him out. And then Tucker is hung upside down from a tree by Chad. And Chad, you know, does that thing, you know, where he like leans in real close and he's just like, I've never been this close to evil before. It kind of stinks. It was supposed to be 24-hour protection. (laughs) So Chad goes to strike a blow on Tucker's hand. Actually, when I first saw this movie, I thought he was just, like, hurling the hatchet into his stomach. It's not really clear. Mm. But you just see Tucker scream, and then it just cuts to another scene. 
So Dale nurses Allison awake, you know, back at the cabin. He tries to explain how he understands things, you know, that the college kids went nuts and started killing everyone and that they probably caught Tucker. Allison, you know, is confused. She's like, I don't think my friends would do that. And I, you know, I don't really know what's going on. How long was I out? You know, he was just like, I don't know, a couple hours. There's a knock at the door and Dale is too afraid to answer. And Allison's like, I'm sure it's fine. No one wants to kill you. And from outside, it's like, hey, Hillbilly, we're going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good time. So Allison goes to answer the door. She sees the bodies laying out in the yard. There's just dead people scattered all over the place. You know, the sheriff's laying there, Chuck's laying there. And then she brings in the package left for her on, well, for them on the doorstep. It's two of Tucker's fingers wrapped in a bit of his shirt, which is, I don't know, that feels very Blur Witch to me, where you just like give someone a creepy package full of meat. Yeah. And then Dale sort of, I don't know what it is. He sort of apologizes for getting her involved. She's just like, well, you know, it's my fault too. I mean, you know, we, we were thinking stereotype stuff about you. And he's just like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, listen, I, I never wanted to hurt anyone. I should have known that if a guy like me talked to a girl like you, somebody would end up dead. <laughs> I, I love that. Like that fearful insecurity, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, everything could come apart if I just, you know, was honest with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so Dale grabs a machete off the wall and heads out to find Tucker. He finds Mitch dead on the tree branch and just says, goddamn stupid college kids, which is probably an ADR line, but it's a really good one. So I'm glad that they put that in there. <laughs> yeah. You stupid kids. What are you doing? Dale finds Tucker in a clearing but triggers a trap that hurls a spear at him, which just narrowly misses removing Dale's twig and berries. I guess it's sort of a joke. I mean, I don't know. I don't find it funny. I actually do find like just relative relief. I mean, I guess it explains why they're not there. I guess if they think that they're going to kill him with a trap, that they don't need to be there. Mm. In a way, it almost just explains their absence. I don't know. We'll just like hurl a stick at him and hope it kills him. Yeah. No, and it also... I appreciate that they made sure to you know, let you know that uh, Dale, he's not packing much. Nah, he's not packing. Yeah. You know what? And he's cool with it. He doesn't even seem bad about it. You know? No. He's like, I'm just glad I'm not hung like a bear. So he cuts Tucker down, which hurts him a little bit, you know, because that's funny. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we get back to uh, Naomi and Chad sneaking into the cabin to save Allison. I love it that they're like, they're creeping around and whispering to her, like through the door, like, come on, you got to go. And she's like, why are you whispering? Nobody else is here. And they're just like, oh, okay. You know, they just like stand up like, yeah, sure. Allison insists that she's fine. But while she's talking, Chad just grabs a gas can and just starts splashing it all over the place. And she's like, wait, wait, <laughs> stop. This is their dream house. This is their vacation home. You can't do that. Naomi accuses Allison of having gotten Stockholm syndrome the possibility of which gets Chad pretty bent out of shape, to say the least. Tell me you aren't falling in love with them. So, uh... It's so weird. I'll it's like, I hardly a, know them. On a cursory Google search, uh, it doesn't seem like bears are really that packing. Are they not? <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah. No, I was. I figured for, for that for that edition. Yeah. I heard that uh, a gorilla penis is about the size of your pinky. Oh yeah, yeah. it's comically small. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm laugh. sure it gets the job done, Jacob. No, no. I mean, I, I wouldn't also laugh at a gorilla's penis because that seems like a one-way ticket to getting folded up like a pretzel. But you know. Yeah. Anyway, what are you talking so, about? Um, movie or Tucker, something? Oh. Yeah. So back to the movie. Tucker and Dale return, and Allison convinces everyone to try to talk their situation out. You know, because she's she's majoring in psychology. She wants to be some kind of a mediator. It's nice, I guess. Tucker pours beer over his severed fingers. Earlier, he also poured beer over his face to heal from the bee stings. It just seems like he's using PBR to fix any wound. I mean, it's got alcohol in it. There is that. I mean, uh, yeah, I wonder if it's more just optimism rather than believing it'll actually do something. It's like, oh, whatever. We don't have water, so I'll just pour beer over my wound. (laughs) So Chad and Dale sit opposite one another at a table. Allison makes tea and she's you know, going to serve it to everyone. And Chad says he will only accept it if it's not chamomile because chamomile messes with his allergies, which seems like a weird random line to mention, but it comes up later. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Allison tries to mediate the discussion. Chad goes first. You know, he's just like, well, where do I begin? And she's like, well, begin wherever you want. 20 years ago, before I was born. And she's like, well, okay, maybe not that far back. I, no, no, no. You have to hear this story. This is important. I really love that in a movie like this that involves a misunderstanding, there usually is some sort of token effort to uh, to get people to sit down and, like, figure this out and, like, communicate. But yeah, she really makes an effort. It's not just, yeah, oh, but, oh, there's a yeah. slight hitch and then everything goes wrong. The situation is designed to not work. Yeah. But she does her best. No, no, no yeah. I, just, I think it's funny. Part of, part of why they don't reach an agreement is because they don't really talk about what's going on. They just, Chad talks about his past. Yeah. And Dale's just sort of apologizes for Chad's past. But they don't <laughs> really address anything else. But to that past... It turns out that that story he told earlier in the movie was at least mostly true about how uh, two hillbillies killed his parents and they came from the same location that they're in now. His mother was the sole survivor. She told Chad that her father died trying to protect her. Oh, no, I think it was her grandmother told her that her mom said that. Well, whatever. Anyway, it's a family story that her mom and her dad were there and the dad watched her be brutalized and then he died in an incinerator so his body was never found and then his mother was institutionalized so he got all of his information from his grandmother and you know everyone's just like horrified it's weird because there's all this horrible stuff happening and then he just tells us well it is a terrible story but it like it's from a long time ago and it doesn't really affect him i mean I don't know. I guess maybe seeing his mom in an institution would have been bad over the years, but he was raised by his grandmother. I don't know. Maybe she's a nutbag too. Maybe it just runs in the family. So like I said, Dale just is just like, well, listen, I'm, I'm sorry about what happened to you, but I didn't have anything to do with that. And Chad's just like, well, someone like you, your kind did this. (laughs) There's like this really bizarre, like hillbilly racism. You know, it's not classism. It's racism as if it's like, 
a bloodline or something. Yeah, I was going to say that does later on lead to uh, my favorite line in the movie. Uh, but we'll, we'll get oh, there. yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> While they're having this discussion, Jason and Chloe, the other two who are left, sneak to the back of the cabin. They were told that, you know, after a certain amount of time, they were supposed to go in guns blazing. And Chloe's just like, you don't even have a gun. You know, Jason's just like, don't talk back to me, woman. <laughs> this is the Red Ranger. You know, he's being very rude to Chloe right now. He's not oh. setting a good ex- example for the other Rangers. Well, he's used to being team leader, so this is kind of stressing him out. Yeah. You know, they look in the window. They think that Chad and Allison are being held hostage. Inside, Dale's expressing his sympathy, but then Jason bursts in with a weed whacker stolen from the back of Tucker's truck. Jason goes to kill Tucker with it, but Tucker is actually pretty nimble. He dodges right out of the way, and instead he just goes right into Naomi's face and just minces it up into pulp. (laughs) and then once again chloe runs in just in time to get another big old glop of a friend's blood just thrown into her face (laughs) i'm starting to think it's the one reason she's in the movie is just to have blood poured all over her i i mean she has a fun reaction to it yeah both times there are they are good reactions she's like ah (laughs) chad knocks over the table attacks dale tucker fends chad off so he, he grabs an oil lamp instead and throws it at the spilled gasoline. But it accidentally sets Jason's pant leg on fire. He's just like, what the hell, man? Chloe goes to extinguish it with a jar of clear liquid that <laughs> only feeds it more. I'm not sure what it is. Did they establish it earlier? Is that like Everclear or Moonshine or something? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, of course it is. I would assume it's Moonshine. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, he just, you know, she just made it way worse. And so he's just engulfed in flames and he just collapses on the floor. R.I.P. Jason, I guess. Yeah. To be clear, she did kill that man. Yeah, she 100% killed Jason. Yeah. Chloe. Well, yeah, I forgot. Earlier, Chloe stopped to smoke. And then Jason was just like, well, that's bad for you. And she's just like, well, dying is bad for you, too. And it's not stopping anyone else from doing it. <laughs> that's That's a really good line. <laughs> I know it's such a ridiculous line. It is pretty good. Yeah, and then, you know, I don't know why I, maybe cause she, this is too much for her. So she just stops to smoke like right in the middle of a burning building. Yeah. It's kind of cool in a way, but I mean, I, I don't quite understand why she did that. I don't know. Maybe she's just having some kind of like a nervous breakdown. Um, yeah. Seems reasonable. The whole place starts going up. Chad tries to run out of the burning cabin, but Naomi, who hasn't died, grabs his leg and begs for help. He says, let go of me, you ugly bitch, which is just (laughs) horrible. (laughs) You were wounded. Get out of here. Look, obviously that's terrible, but, you know, if my face got mowed off like that, I wouldn't be too offended if someone called me ugly. I kind of understand where they're coming from. Oh, I'm just saying, Jacob, you need to surround yourself with people who are going to love you no matter how mowed up your face is. I mean, it was, it was pretty (laughs) mowed up, man. The whole cabin explodes, like literally explodes in flames as Tucker, Dale and Allison run outside into the yard. So, uh, RIP Chloe and Naomi, I guess they're dead. You never see them again. 
Tucker and Dale don't have time to mourn the loss of their dream cabin because Chad emerges from the burning wreck. He's scarred and blackened by the fire and has apparently lost his mind. I love it because Allison's just like, oh, no, we need to save him. He's hurt. And then he just like roars at them and they're like, ah, never mind. We'll just go. The three of them climb into Tucker's truck and drive away. But Dale was too busy looking back at Chad to watch the road. So they just hit a tree, which is really depressing. I, I hate it when stuff like that happens in movies. Like you couldn't <laughs> I, just drive straight. I mean, sucks worse when it happens in real life. Yeah. Anyway, on that note. So Dale wakes up. Yeah. So Dale wakes up to find Allison missing. She's not in the truck anymore. He gets out of the truck and Tucker's laying apparently, well, either dying or unwell, I guess. He's just really hurt at the base Mm. of a tree. Tucker imparts some words of encouragement, you know, telling him to, you know, he's got to have more confidence in himself and he's got to go save that girl. And the, you know, that Jangers has the scent so he can follow the dog to the girl. I guess this is just for convenience for the story. I just think it's funny that Tucker knows that. Even if that was true, how would you know that? <laughs> yeah, just follow the duck. It sounds like almost like a part from like a video game where just like you need to know to, how to get to the final boss. You're just like, ah, just, just follow the trail made by the dog. <laughs> so Chad has holed up in an abandoned lumber mill, which has never been established before, but you know, whatever. It's just a place to go fight. He has tied Allison to a log on a conveyor belt kind of a thing leading to a buzzsaw. It's like he's snidely whiplash or something. He he might as well be tying her to some train tracks. (laughs) It's weird how much of a turn he takes. I mean, he's always kind of a villainous character, or at least he starts as a jerk and he kind of gets progressively more insane. But by the end here, you know, when his face is half burned off, you know, and his hair is all crazy. He just becomes like a full, ridiculous, broad villain. Yeah. He licks her face, which is always a fun, like, villain thing to do. To show, like, oh, he likes her, but, like, in a weird way. And then Dale gets there, and I guess just on site there's stuff. Because he goes into, like, a tool shed, and he suits up with tools and weapons and a welder's mask. I'm always on board for a suit-up montage. It doesn't matter what the movie is. What do you suppose is the best movie with a suit-up montage? I was thinking uh, Commando, maybe. Um, I mean, I feel like the classic is Evil Dead. Oh, well, yeah. That's the best horror movie one, easily, yeah. When he just invents a mechanical <laughs> hand, like, in the middle of his suit-up. Why, why not? Yeah, why not? It just crushes a metal cup with his bare, well, not bare hand, but, you know, his metal hand. His bare metal hand. It's funny because they show the medieval people like gasping, but like anybody would gasp at that because like we don't, we still don't have stuff that can do that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. One day we'll have hands that can crush people. Yeah. Oh God. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Dale finds Allison and tries to untie her, but Chad starts the buzzsaw and attacks him before he can finish cutting her free. As they're fighting, Dale manages to hurl a hatchet that miraculously frees Allison. So it's weird. I mean, I guess they create some tension by tying her to the log, but then in the middle of it, they knock her free anyway. So like, why'd they ever tie her to the log is my question. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, why didn't just tie her to a chair or just 
just have her stand in the room and not be tied up at all. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it matters. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe they just wanted that kind of a simple trope. Also, I mean, at this point, Chad's motivations don't really make sense. He seems to be bitter with her for rejecting him, but I don't see how cutting her in half is going to solve anything. I guess he really has just lost his mind at this point. You ever like take that moment and just think of like what would happen if a villain won at certain moments in a movie, like especially at the end, you know, when they're just kind of going for vengeance after their main scheme has already been ruined, you know, like at the end of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, when like Mollerum is on the ladder thing with Indiana Jones and he goes to take out his heart. I used to always wonder like, well, what would happen if he did just take out his heart right then? Because his whole <laughs> operation was already basically ruined. Yeah. They're so just like, ah, oh, well, at least I got him. Oh, I, I guess he did have the chakra stones, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he still could have won. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's maybe still... he had a better position than most. Yeah. I mean, he would still need to rebuild, though. It would be very interesting. Sorry to bring up Temple of Doom if the, if you guys have never uh, watched that movie. But you should. They eat monkeys' brains. It's a good movie. Yeah, uh, real monkeys' brains. Chewed monkeys' brains. Are they real? No. Peter, no, they I are. have to imagine it's not. Yeah, Peter, it's... <laughs> really? Peter. The monkey brains. Don't tell me that. that... Oh, sorry, Petey? Yeah, do you prefer that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I really don't. Okay, I'm so, what do you what do you want me to call you then? Uh, Peter, like like a normal human being. I did just call you Peter. Then you got annoyed with me. Oh, oh no, I was annoyed with uh, something else. <laughs> oh, okay. wasn't about that. that was, okay, well, anyway, moving on. Let's go. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so um. So Dale cuts her free and then Chad and Dale sword fight metal pole versus chainsaw, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Dale says, bring it on frat bitch. So that, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound very enthusiastic, Jacob. No, it is fun. It is fun. So Dale hurls a chainsaw at Chad and flees upstairs with Allison bolting some kind of a trap door behind them. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be in an office that is a little bit, it's an office with a, a little dusty old work kitchen. I think that's what it is. So it's probably like a, a little break area kitchen plus an office. It makes it seem like this lumber yard sucked. You know, everything was done in the same room. Mm-hmm. Fortuitous for this movie, though, because Dale is able to find a box of chamomile tea. And uh, at the same moment in the same room, Allison is able to find an old newspaper that pertains directly to Chad. What a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. The headline of the old newspaper is for the Memorial Day murderer, which I just think is really funny. Like they were just trying to find another national holiday. Yeah, I don't know. We've already taken Friday the 13th and April yeah. Fool's Day, Christmas, and Halloween. Is there an Easter one? I don't know. Maybe Critters, sort of. Uh, hold on. Uh, yeah, it looks like there are a couple. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Beaster Day. Here comes oh. Peter Cotton Hell. Oh, God. Oh, it's on Tubi. Oh, Peter. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, Peter, we can... 
we can watch this movie. Listen, I, I want people to be given access to a, a broader array of films than just the big Hollywood stuff, the popular stuff. But you know what? We need to sneak just a little bit of medicine into people's food. It can't all be medicine. <laughs> Maybe we'll eventually get around to Beaster Day. Oh, yes. Christ. Yes. Ugh. But you know what? It's not, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm not going to lie to you. It's uh, it's not high on my list. <laughs> oh, it, oh, it doesn't have to be. If I pick it. I see. Well, that's true. Yeah. The power swings back and forth every episode. So yeah, we'll, we'll see where this, where things end up. Yeah. So yeah, this Memorial Day murderer thing, it happened 20 years ago. They show a picture of the dude and it's, it's a guy who looks quite a lot like Chad. The article mentions the lone survivor had been tortured and raped. Okay, now see, here's where it starts to lose me a bit. I mean, for a, a couple of reasons. The whole point of the movie, I think, is to not judge a book by its cover and that stereotypes about hillbilly folk are wrong or at least misleading, right? Yeah. But having Chad be related to a psycho murderer would seem to reinforce the stereotypes. You know, like he's destined or doomed to be a murderer because... He's related to a hillbilly. Um, yeah, I know. Oh you. God, you sent me that picture of Beaster Day. Thanks, Jacob. I needed <laughs> yeah, that. No problem. <laughs> Actually, that is a pretty good evil rabbit. <laughs> it is. I'm. I'm compelled. Yeah. Also, plot twists that require. Uh, oh rape wait, wait, wait. Are also, kind of uh, gross. Yeah. Well, I was also going to say, uh, not judging people by their looks. When Chad goes fully evil, he is burned yeah. and disfigured, making him look evil and yeah. ugly on the outside. So this movie is full of shit. Well, it's, I think it's supposed to reveal that that's what his soul is like. Or something. But yeah. So Chad uses the chainsaw to saw his way upstairs through the bolted trap door. Dale shows him the newspaper. He's just like, no, it's not true. And then Allison says probably the best line in the whole movie. Do, do you have it written down? Yeah. You're half hillbilly. It's true, Chad. You're half hillbilly. <laughs> 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 uh. That's good stuff. So, yeah, Chad, he doesn't take the revelation so well. So Dale hurls the box of chamomile tea in his face. And Chad just kind of kills himself. He, he stumbles out a window. Yeah. Well, I mean, he disables himself. I don't think he dies. And that's basically that. They're just like, oh, well, you know, that's that kind of solves everything, I suppose. Some time passes, and we see that news and the police have pinned all the deaths and murders on Chad, whose body is missing. So, I mean, in a way, they just lucked out that they had a good scapegoat for everything. It's weird, though, because all of that would require that Allison would have to not know Chad well enough to think that he was capable of that. But you know what? Even if she wasn't, I suppose she would probably go along with it because he was so gross and murderous by the end. We're just like, all right, fine, whatever. Yeah. So Tucker is recuperating in a hospital and Dale comes in looking cleaned up. He's in a bowling t-shirt. It looks like. Yeah. Tucker shows him that they attach some new fingers to his left hand that he thinks are his, but you know, one of them's got like a red fingernail, which is pretty great. <laughs> that's, that's a good gag. I like it. 
I don't remember him looking that way, you know, but he's like so doped up that he like, he can't really tell for sure. He's just like, I am high on prescription painkillers. Yeah. Dale presents Tucker with a nicely gift wrapped PBR, <laughs> which is, you know, Tucker's beer of choice. Of course. I don't know why it made me think like they gave him a straw as well. Almost the exact same scene happens in Christine in that movie. <laughs> where the football star gets really hurt. And then the nerdy guy who's being possessed by a car brings him a, a bunch of beers and gives him a straw so he can drink out of it with the straw. So it's happened at least twice in movie history. Dale and Allison have a date where they go bowling because Allison claimed that she's good at it. Dale is hanging out with a really gross looking older guy named BJ. Uh, he's missing a bunch of teeth. He's got some gray hair. Dale gives the fellow some encouragement about, you know, being yourself and being confident around women and strangers and stuff. He's like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm going to go talk to that woman back there right now. So Dale presents Allison with a gift. It's a pink helmet to prevent all of the head injuries. She's constantly sustaining. I mean, that's sweet. He, he knows so much about her at this point. Yeah. Just constantly bashing your head into stuff. Dale tries to confess his feelings to Allison, but you know, before you can fully articulate them, Allison just kisses him, you know, which is nice. Yeah. Ah, that's sweet. No, and, you know, and then the moment is absolutely ruined, <laughs> ruined by that BJ guy who just decks a girl behind them and just knocks her out cold. I don't know what's happening. I hate it. You don't know what she said. So like, you don't know what she said, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she was really rude. Well, here's the thing. He knocks her out. There's a scream. He punches her. She gets knocked out. Dale's like, hey, should we go help? And Allison's just like, screw it. Or maybe it was the other way around. And maybe Allison said, maybe we should help. And Dale's like, screw it. Because he's too turned on or pleased or whatever. He's like, yeah, whatever. Okay. But then you actually see BJ pick up that poor woman by the shoulders and start to drag her away with like, like a smile. And it's just... Ugh. It just undermines the entire movie. They're just like, yeah, you could, you could trust people. They're going to be, oh, no, wait. This guy who's a friend of Dale is just a straight up like hill person rapist or something. Look, it oh, appears, God. it appears that way, but it could all be a misunderstanding. Didn't you get, maybe the, that should uh, be the start to the sequel. They could be all about this BJ guy and like why it made perfect sense to knock that woman out and drag her away with a smile on his face. Uh, the, uh, like a whole movie just to explain that. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, she's, she was actually like a really bad person. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's a real foul joke to end things on. It's the part I like the least about the whole movie. I feel like it undermines most of the message of the film, <laughs> but it doesn't kill the movie for me. But yeah, every time I see that, I hate it. I'm just like, oh, why? Yeah, it's not great. And, uh, yeah. And then this goes to credits and uh, that's it. Play yeah. some nice, like 2010 type music for the youngins. Yeah. I will say, I, uh, I guess this movie was like, it's getting up there to the point where I had to feel the need to check and make sure there wasn't a mid credits scene, which is something I haven't oh, had. I was a little fearful, which is something yeah. I haven't had to do with the other movies, but I, but I like, I was like, <laughs> Whether it would threaten something. Well, no, no, I'm just saying it's like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There used to be a time when you could 
reliably just turn a movie off once the uh, credits started rolling. That's true. There kind of was an end credit scene. It's just that it was at the very beginning of the movie. You know, you see that Chad is still alive and that he's attacked a journalist for no reason. I, I guess he's just a nutbag now. Yeah, he's evil. That's the He's title. evil. That's the evil that Tucker and Dale were versus. It was uh, Chad. Yeah. Well, part of why I like the film is that I actually just like the opposition to that crappy, like, you know, Machiavellian mindset. We are just like this us against them, zero sum crap, you know? So I, I like it when people like that get punished for being jerks. It doesn't happen too often in movies. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, Eli Craig, he, yeah, he never got to make Tucker and Dale too. You know, as we mentioned before, for the, the script they got was terrible. So they just didn't, they didn't pursue it. I think they could have made a good film, but I'm glad they didn't make a bad film. I guess that's the way to put it. But fear not, dear fans, <laughs> Eli Craig is currently working on a new horror comedy. The Hills Have Eyes for You. Um. <laughs> oh, God. I just think that's... Uh, when, I, when I read that title last night, I, I had such a good laugh. I mean, that's good. It almost sounds like a Tucker and Dale sequel. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Maybe it's about BJ. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Wait, also, hold on. Is there, a, <laughs> is there a holiday coming up? Someone's... Um, you mean, like, in in reality? Yes. In the world? Uh, I think the next one is the 4th of July. Oh. We're filming this, or recording this, rather. Early spring, I guess. Okay, someone's setting off fireworks. Labor Day, I guess. Yeah. I don't get it. It's very rude, honestly. Oh. Set of fireworks like that. It's fine. I can't hear it. The audience can't hear. I don't care if they can hear it. Okay, I, so I care that it bothers me. <laughs> hey, it might just be gunfire. I wouldn't worry about it. Peter, I know what gunfire sounds like. <laughs> well, actually, I think I heard that one. Okay, anyway. This movie got 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's built up over time from audience reactions. Mm-hmm. On Metacritic, it's actually got 65%. You know, that's positive, but it's not like super positive. You know, I think that's mostly just critics. Mm-hmm. The The movie cost $5 million to make, but only earned a worldwide gross of $4.7 million. Jesus. So, How the hell do you make a horror movie that doesn't earn its money back? Well, I think that's the thing. See, these are the kinds of horror movies I like, you know, where they're kind of self-referential and kind of clever. But it seems like they just don't have a good return because they're they're alluding to feelings that some people just don't want to have. You know, they just want to go there for the easy thrill. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, they want to see but the bye-bye the man. It that, like, yeah, they just want to see the bye-bye man. We all want to see the bye-bye man, Jacob. <laughs> Where are we going to get to the bye-bye man factory? <laughs> Do you think he hangs out with, like in a in a group with like the Baba Duke and a bunch of other weird looking dudes? Um, of course, he hangs out with both the Baba Duke yeah. and the Bagul. Yeah, the Bagul. <laughs> <laughs> Just say his name. <laughs> All right, got a Bagul. Hey, sounds like you got a Bagul problem. <laughs> <laughs> what a bad movie! I know people really like that movie, but like that's so ridiculous. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Bagul for sinister. Yeah, sounds like you got yourself a Bagul infestation. If your basement gets too damp, you might get a nun in here. So yeah. <laughs> I, oh god, the nun! That was like, yeah, I saw that one in theaters too. I, yeah, we have yet to tap into the vast, what is it, conjuring, you know, metaverse, yeah. like the cinematic universe. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the movie where uh, there's a creepy nun that looks like the Joker. Um, yeah. That was such a cool horror concept. Glad I gave them money and rewarded <laughs> them for doing that. Yeah, rewarded their bad behavior, <laughs> didn't you, Jacob? I Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so on a scale from one to ten, one being worst and ten being the best movie ever, how would you rate this film, Jacob? I'm feeling a strong six. Hmm. I thought you were going to go lower, actually. No, I mean, look, it's a well-made movie, but I'm not like I. I'm sorry. I still have to come back to the fact that even though it's a funny joke, it is just one joke. Yeah. Well, here's the here's the interesting thing. I came out with the same score, but for like different reasons. Oh, so sweet. I love this movie, or or rather, I'd say I love most of this movie, but I'm still only going to give it a six out of ten. I think once you get to seven out of ten or better, that shows a level of proficiency and competence that this movie doesn't quite have. The acting for a lot of the characters from these. Canadians <laughs> is is questionable. I don't really like Chad's performance and I, I don't mean to, you know, to, to belittle the man or whatever. I don't like a lot of the, the side characters. The movie is very much carried by Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk. And, you know, to a lesser extent, uh, you know, the Allison character, but everyone else is pretty rough and it's unfortunate. They only had so much money. I mean, I, I'm not going to berate them or whatever, but I just think it, it holds the movie back. And also, like I said, the fact that the movie undermines its own message, like it's it's not, the tone is a little inconsistent at the end and the message is kind of lost just for yeah. a joke. And I get that. But to me, that kind of sticks it in a in a place just under seven. I feel like a six out of 10 is is probably fair. You know, it's better yeah. than average. It's got lots of good points. It's worth yeah. watching. But it's just not quite excellent. Yeah, it's no Rawhead Rex. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't think I'd, I'd be quite so generous with Rawhead Rex. I like that movie, too, but I know what it is. <laughs> and also what it isn't. Yeah. Someone's going to be mad. Someone's going to be mad about oh, that. Oh, God. Do you think that he's peeing on that priest in that movie? Or is that is that jism? I, I never did figure that out. Um... I like to think that it's a uh, frothy concoction that's a mixture of both. Oh my god. Alright. I really wish I hadn't brought that up just now. I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, the world. Yeah, actually, Peter, why did you bring that up? One of those things that's just stuck with me. I'll go further than that. Why is it whenever I've referenced Ryhead Rex, that's the scene you think about? (laughs) <laughs> you know honestly it, it, it kind of is there's well there's actually a lot of weird scenes in the movie where like I know people give the wrong reaction to things you know 
Yeah. Yeah. A kid gets eaten. Yeah. And the priest gives like sort of a weird orgasmic face while his neck is torn out. The pregnant lady roars at people like when she's saved. It doesn't really make sense. I don't know why she does that. Uh, I don't know. But that's a uh, whole other can of worms. Well, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll eventually cover that. Yeah, one. yeah, we'll save that for the Rawhead Rex episode coming soon. The Rawhead Rexathon. All day Rawhead Rex. <laughs> they should have made a sequel. I'd be fine with that. Oh God, I don't even know what they would do. I've read the original story and there's, there's even less story than there is movie. You know what I mean? Like it, it's barely a concept. Oh yeah. Well, it's fun. Okay. So I have dug into the IMDB keywords for Tucker and Dale versus evil. There are 132 in total, but I'm going to read the first 20, which apparently are sorted by relevance. So these are the most relevant Keywords for this movie. All right. You ready? Uh, I hope so. Cabin. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very relevant. Yeah. Cabin in the woods. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. Pickled eggs. Number three. <laughs> Pickled eggs. Oh, you Peter, I mean, just... it really does stand out in my mind. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it is compelling. But... Peter, can you tell me how many other movies fit or have that pickle egg tag? I'm curious. Oh, God, I don't know. I'd have to go look it up. Okay, well, you should. Okay, uh, you people. Should, uh, Peter, can you do me a favor? And I mean, and everyone a favor from here on out. Keep that Wikipedia page open so that we can, uh, you know, figure it out. If I, oh no, if, no, if I, this is IMDb, and actually, I do have it open, okay. but uh, it's it doesn't work that way. The relevance is by people agreeing that it's relevant. So they're just like, Oh yeah, this has to do with this movie. Oh, I don't think they're cross-referencing. Oh, okay. So you can't like yeah. search other. Well, maybe you can, you know what? All right. I'm going to click on it. Okay. Let's see where, let's see where it goes. <laughs> oh shit. There's like more than one thing here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Tucker and Dale versus evil trailer park boys. Don't legalize it. <laughs> We'd rather not. The Simpsons, the Flaming Moes. Oh, I do remember the pickled eggs in that one. And then the Simpsons, Lisa Sachs. That's from 1997, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an episode of Archer in 2009. Oh, no, wait, never mind. Wait a minute. They have two different dates on here. So actually, I think it's 2015. And then they also have another Simpsons episode. Let's see. One, two, three. Yeah, three more Simpsons episodes. And then a show called The Dating Guy episode, Spanking the Money, Monkey the Money. Huh. Um, okay, so I know, mostly just a bunch of TV shows. Yeah. Okay. So I was also, I don't know, why did I search this? I looked up, I'm just going to pick three random keywords from this. I was looking up keywords on Bubba Hotep. Oh. Penis infection. Lee Harvey Oswald mugshot. <laughs> Egyptian tomb. Yeah. All good things. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, continue. All right, so back to the list. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, pickled eggs. Girl in panties. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for the girl who plays Allison because they have that shot of her climbing the rock in her underwear, like on the poster of the movie. 
Like, like <laughs> as if like that's like the one reason she's there. Ah, oh, the poor girl. Next, blonde. Uh, yeah, uh, multiple, in fact. Then, uh, yeah, more than one. Hung upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Nail gun. Sure. Scythe. <laughs> barely. Uh, wood chipper. Yeah. Yeah, there's barely any scythe action in this, but there is a wood chipper. Skinny dipping. You never really see it. I guess it's mentioned. It does happen in the movie. Yeah, it counts. Redneck. <laughs> sure. Pretty important. You see that this comes up a lot. There's a lot of obsession about about the girls in movies because, yeah, the next three are girl in bra and panties, <laughs> uh, cut off shorts, and uh, mm. cut off jeans. Sure. Well, I guess, you know, guys are sometimes in movies with cut off jeans, but hardly ever, really. It's it's usually like something from like the 70s. Yeah, back when that was okay, when we had that freedom. <laughs> oh, uh, next is Chainsaw, then uh, Bloody Face, which I think is for poor Chloe just getting drenched in blood over and over again. Yeah. Tied Up, Vacation Home, Gas Station. And last but not least, falsely accused of murder. Yeah. Really important. <laughs> so what parting lessons can we learn from this film, do you think? Don't go out into the woods, ever. I have three that I, I quickly jotted down. Don't let BJ talk to women at the bowling alley. I think that's number one. All right. Then we also got PBR Cures All Wounds. Sure. And my last one, uh, for God's sake, take a tour of a house before you buy it. Generally good advice. I can attest to that. Absolutely. You know, actually, there's something about this movie that like maybe made me think about vacation homes. I'm like, well, okay, I don't know if I'd want to buy one, but you know, maybe I should like rent a cabin somewhere. I might end up dead, but it, it just seems like it'd be really peaceful and nice, actually. Yeah. So maybe I'll try that. We'll see how that goes. My uh, grandmother had a beach home that we would uh, drive up to when I was younger in the summer. It was really fun. Cool. So, uh, you know, so, might be look, uh, yeah. worth looking into. Absolutely. I think that's about it, folks. It's been a blast as per usual. If you're feeling generous, maybe drop us a positive review. If not, maybe inform us on how best to live our lives. Yeah. You do you. Feel free to direct all hateful comments to P. Gorman at... No, I'm kidding. I don't know, I don't know what your email is. My email is actually remarkably simple. Oh. But it's not that. Okay. It is close to that. All right, all right. <laughs> Sorry. Should have... <laughs> no, that's not it. But no, I just think it's just how funny it was because I got my account really early. And so like, it's a super easy one. You know, like people don't believe me when I tell them it. So, you know, I'm not going to be telling it here either. No, we'll get yeah. a nice real email for you guys to send us angry messages at. But in yeah. the meantime, just, you know, comment on Apple or something. Tell us our business. Wait, are we, are, are we on Apple? Are we going to be? Not, not yet. I'm still working on the thumbnail as of the recording of this one, but yeah. Oh yeah. Soon right. enough, the backlog will be over. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just want a nice picture, a no. little more polished before I no, send no. it out. But after I, that, I'll probably start doing it. 
Sure. Look into all of the sweet ways we can monetize it and ruin the podcast for everyone. That's true. Dun, dun, dun. I cannot wait to start doing ads for Blue Chew in the middle of these. <laughs> yeah, they say that you get the most money from the midpoint ads, where you yeah. just like weave it into the middle of a podcast. Yeah, and they like also old, say uh, uh, that uh, Blue Chew is a safe, all-natural alternative to Viagra. No, stop it, stop it. <laughs> or at least not until they're paying us. At oh, any, yeah, yeah, at any yeah, rate. yeah. So, yeah. So, until next time, everybody, I've been Peter. Uh, and I've been Jacob. And this is Gorman on Gore. Later. I should have known that if a guy like me talked to a girl like you, somebody'd end up dead.